deep in London's beating heart lies a wall A locked door it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin. Hello everybody and welcome to the Shrieking Shack This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans I'm your host ZZ And I'm Liz And Liz All's quiet on the wizarding world front. Wow. We have had a mercifully quiet week uh, with the Harry Potter news. Have you have you um, been taking advantage of the, of the lack of JK Rowling drama? Are you are you are you taking in some new sites, some new sounds online? What's uh, what's it been like without any Ichabogs or uh, or 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 tweet storms to follow? I keep thinking that she must have left Twitter again just because I unfollowed her. And then I mm-hmm. remember that I did that and go back and look and see that it looks like she's um, putting in maybe an hour every day retweeting some Ichabogs. But mm-hmm. I, m- my conspiracy theory is just that it sure looks like she's just putting in maybe some contract requirement time on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to know, like, what her... Because the thing is, she's J.K. Rowling, so if anyone can get away with, like, not being required to do anything, it's her. But at the same time, she sure is coming on and just firing off a few, like, what a nice Ichabog, looks tasty, or whatever, and then just fucking off for the rest of the day. And it's it's very weird to watch. Um I I uh, I don't envy whoever whoever's job it is to wrangle her uh, at any of her any of her various uh, outlets that she does work for. I guess my I guess I have two theories. One, she's putting in like the min- bare minimum of a co- like a marketing contract. Mm-hmm. Theory two, she's doing that self-imposed social media like limiting. Like, oh, like John Green does? Yeah, where it's like, I will only log on to Twitter for one hour a day because it's just not good for me or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to sound so condescending. I think most people that do that, that's that's totally fine. You should do that. But I'm that, that's kind of my impression of, of her only. Yeah, not trying to be I, a call out. I don't know. I'm, I'm, we're, I've, I've said this before. We've been in this position before, but it bears repeating. This feels like the doldrums we're in the calm before the storm again because like th- the thing is she can't disappear she's got i mean as far as we know she's, she's done it before a... well well but 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 here's the thing is that that like she's got a book coming out uh because lord knows hachette has made it very clear that they're still publishing the ichabog um they she has a movie supposedly i mean like who knows at this point whether fantastic beast is still happening i hope and pray with all my heart and soul that something happens with that but but knowing knowing our luck and knowing the way things go there there is still a third movie coming and like so she can't just like go uh and she is going to be con- I, I i think that this has gotten like big enough now that the next time she appears for an interview or like in public or something, she's going to get asked about this stuff. And, and I just feel like we are in a holding pattern waiting for the moment when 
she kind of has to face the music here because she because unless she just quits and cancels everything she can't she can't disappear yeah she could quit and cancel everything she could quit and cancel everything i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't say no you know but but i i doubt that's going to happen but it 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 feels after um crimes of grindelwald came out and she sort of like went off of the internet after that all happened there was sort of a like well she'll come back eventually but there's there's nothing pressing you know she didn't have a book coming she didn't have uh, a movie coming anytime soon so it was like yeah she can just go but like there's stuff that's supposed to be happening this year that she's going to have to return and i don't think it's going to be long enough for everyone to have forgotten all of this shit and so uh i'm very curious what her game plan is what's her strat what's her what's her idea here i am not holding out any hope that she will become a good person (laughs) but i was really struck by the like forbes editorial that was posted by the lead the editorial lead of leaky cauldron Um, And it was kind of a, like, summary of everything that happened. And and most of the meat of that editorial was just a list of people she has worked with and currently works with that Mm -hmm. have condemned her. (laughs) And, And I definitely don't, I'm like, she is clearly like in too deep at this point to, to just kind of take one day and be like, oh, I see that I'm wrong, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen. But I, there is part of me that's just like, maybe that is something that she reads and and that is despair to her, right? How yeah. could it not be? Is it too mean for me to say I hope she's suffering? Like, like I, I hope that she looks at that, you know, these enumerated lists of like, here are all of the famous people who are pissed off at you because she clearly you know we've we talked last time about how like she she, she kind of gives off that like oh collector persona right like she she's talked about how much oh i've always wanted johnny depp to be in something i made and i finally got johnny depp and i just imagine like her uh you know like like being spurned by her like toy box of famous friends here almost mm-hmm and also seeing her, I mean, like, this is this is such a, a such a specific one, but like that Republican senator quoting her, or congressman or whatever, who, whoever it was, they're, they're, but just like you know, an avowed uh, uh, norm, normie R Republican in in America, using her words to to promote his views, like we know that she's a basic lib she 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 hates that and i hope that she's looking at that stuff and really thinking hard and and having a bad time with it like yeah i mean i hope she's having a bad time with that right uh, but I, yeah. I, I there is a it is so difficult to be an outsider looking in and and feeling like like god doesn't she have to feel like this is a wake-up call but again like i i keep having to remind myself that you can't think about someone who holds such extreme bigoted views in mm-hmm. a way, in in a way like that right because you yeah. like that that doesn't 
that doesn't work because she's not coming from a reasonable place. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I I wouldn't, like, forgive her on a dime, but I would be happy to see her, like, recant, right? Like... I, I, I think that part of why I'm so satisfied in seeing the response from all of her, like, uh, uh, famous friends and whatnot being so adamant is that, like, I hope, I hope that she can at least fuck off, right? <laughs> yes, please. Like, like, if, if, if she can't have a, a you know, a, a true come to Jesus, I repent, I'm so sorry for all of the damage I've done moment which is very, very unlikely. At least she can realize how embarrassing and horrible this looks and just fuck off, right? Like, like that that I will accept. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> the best we can really hope for. So my money's yeah. on that. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's like I, I I like part of the reason I find this stuff so heartening is that you know, maybe not any one of these people individually, but like I think the critical mass might be such that it it will at least force her to come into contact. Like, because this is like all of her friends, this is all of her peers. Um, a few people have come to her like defense, but it's like Graham Linen, some fucking actor who was on that show Lewis, and like what? that's about it, and like not exactly the A list. Uh. What and show, I, Lewis? What Lewis, are you talking about? <laughs> it was a de- it was a detective show. Oh, okay. Engl- English detective show. Um, but it's uh, it's just not um, that the the wind is not in her favor outside of people who are already bought into the ideology she's selling. Mm-hmm. And and I think that hopefully that will be enough like i said not not to get her to to change her ways but at least to shut up and go away and 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 never never speak of this again um i don't know it's uh it's certainly fascinating but like i said it's heartening just because it's like there's no way that she is not having these private conversations i think like a lot of people are speaking out publicly but i think also like enough of these people are I mean, like we we know that she like keeps in contact with Daniel Radcliffe and stuff, right? Like she loves she loves hanging out with her her famous pals. Yeah. So, you know, I I imagine either these people are cutting her out of their life, or they are, like, if they are still talking to her, I hope that they are, uh, you know, having these conversations with her. And I just I I am I'm satisfied by by the the idea that like yeah there are. There's no way for her to escape this discourse now, right? Uh, uh, she like she is not going to not be confronted with criticism for her for her beliefs. Yeah, I mean she's not going to be. I I, assume, I mean I guess I guess this is a big assumption on my part, but I can assume that even if she were to go back to like posting and stuff about other things she's not going to get the like epic mic drop articles on bustle every time she quote tweets donald trump right yeah it's like yeah no no one like she no longer has that cultural cachet that would allow her to enjoy that kind of praise right um not from any mainstream outlets i mean like you know turf weekly i'm sure will will we'll keep on talking about her epic tweet dunks if, if she goes that route but like not it won't be bustle it won't be uh like any any like mainstream outlets and and i think that that's going to eat at her because she is 
like I, I feel like I'm maybe being a bit mean about like how how conceited she is, but like I I think that is true. I th- I think just like like having looked at her 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 output for so long and the people she surrounds herself with, I I think she does enjoy being famous, right? And like being uh, influential. And and if she loses that, I think that, you know, even if she does end up, um, uh, you know, never recanting her, her beliefs, I think that she, I think that she will kind of suffer uh, like and, and feel like this is a big loss for her, that she that she has lost something important to her, um, which I think is only just at this point. Yeah, for sure. I think that she has enjoyed the fruits of being a very uncriticized figure, right? Like this weird, she's like the, or was, I suppose, the easiest liberal, like epic girl boss type figure (laughs) that like got everyone to read (laughs) uh, and that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like forever. Yeah, probably forever. It's, uh, it's, it's gotta hurt. Um, you know, even if she doesn't understand why, why it's gone, it's gone. And like, that'll probably sting for a while. Um, the other way this has manifested in a very funny way is the ongoing Harry Potter projects are in total disarray now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we've talked about this briefly, but I think, I think this week it's kind of all come to a head. The wizardingworld.com, Harry Potter at Home initiative uh audiobook reading where they were getting celebrities to read chapters of harry potter one uh uh uh, to to their audience it has come to a mysterious halt um we sort of like watched the uh uh, slow build-up of people realizing that there wasn't a new chapter and like going Dear Wizarding World, my kids are screaming at me for for the next Harry Potter chapter. Please, I'm hiding in the garden from mm-hmm. my from my family. Please release the new chapter. And WizardingWorld.com's account finally put out an, a statement: More chapter readings are coming soon. We're over halfway through, so we're taking a small pause to let everyone catch up. You can watch chapters one through eleven here with a link. And then they have a custom illustration of a book and like a big sparkly number eleven that they have clearly thrown together to to create this illusion that this was some planned break. I love this so much. <laughs> it is it is so weird. Like they didn't really release stuff on a set schedule. When they first started, they were releasing like two chapters a week. Mm-hmm. And then they slowed down to one chapter a week that was like usually releasing on a Wednesday or Thursday. I went back through to like check and there was maybe one that was released on a Tuesday. And and last week when we were recording, it was a Thursday. And we were like, oh, well, yeah, it seems a little weird. They haven't posted some people are starting to notice, but it could be that it's just later since they haven't been very consistent. <laughs> but it's been it's been like the full two weeks now, and then to come out with this like, oh, this is a break so people can catch up. Like, it's a children's book. You can read it in afternoon. <laughs> Nobody needs to catch up. <laughs> yeah, this you, book hey, has been caught? out for twenty three years. <laughs> are you all caught? 
caught up on the first half of Harry Potter? Yes. It's like 90 minutes of material. It's it's ridiculous. I I wonder how long it took them to come up with that lie. Like what a what a weirdly transparent way to put it. Um, and I love that they have the custom graphic. The replies, of course, are not, not happy. There's no pause for Harry Potter fans. We are hungry. <laughs> Great news. The book's been about, out for about 23 years. So if you really want to know what's happening, yeah. what's going to happen, you can, you can pick that up. Alternatively, you could listen to a Harry Potter reread podcast that mm. last fans um, have presumably over two hours of content per chapter. That's right. Maybe we weren't that extra back in the day. Yeah. But when? Oh, please, we're dying here. You gave us a bite of something and now are not letting us have the cake. Not fair. Please, don't wait too long. Are you going to be publishing all six chapters together? If so, that will be a relief. Waiting. Oh my god. Hope you do it for all the books. That will be fun, and even more so if every main artist of the movie reads it too, along with, of course, J.K. Rowling. I mean, that will be cherry on the cake. They're not going to do all the books. (laughs) They were never going to do all the books. Yeah, the the production drama that is happening behind the scenes for book one out of seven is basically guaranteeing this would this is not going to happen. <laughs> oh, I am I am so desperate to find out who the other people who were lined up to do this were and like who who is it who backed out? Because I want to pat them on the back, honestly. Honestly, like, hey, who who was next here? Uh, uh, because the the people who have already spoken up against J.K. Rowling already posted their chapters. Like Newt, uh, Newt, like uh, 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 Eddie Redmayne did his like the second week or whatever. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe was the start, so like they they've already got theirs in the can. I want to know who it is who recorded one and was like, uh, uh-uh, no, no, you're not putting that out for me right now. I would I would love to be a fly on the wall. What I want to know is if people pulled theirs and and Wizarding World is desperately doing new recordings with new people that they got to do it mm-hmm. or if they're trying to like flex contracts at people right. to like ma- to like strong arm them into letting them release the recordings. Like I I just I would love to know what's actually happening. I I think my and like this 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 plays into my my dark goblin desire to to watch bad shit all the time. Mm. But I want to know if they do end up publishing them and do end up continuing this series, who are the like shitty celebrities who agree with or don't care enough about anything uh uh JK Rowling says to still do it? Like, like, who? What rogues gallery would they get in that case? I mean, we talked. To, we t- it's going to be Tom Felton. Um, not saying he is a rogue, but it's that he lives in the in the forest at the Wizarding World theme yeah, he park, hasn't and he hasn't today. heard. Nobody <laughs> has told him yet, so he mm-hmm. doesn't know. So he'll do it. They'll pay pay him his cameo rate, mm-hmm. um, and it'll it'll be a cameo. But I'm not. Who else will they get? Maybe they'll just have him do the the rest of it. 
See, see, here, here are my predictions. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling reads the rest. I think that's the most realistic one. She won't do it. No way. I don't think she Probably. would. 100%. You don't think so? She might even be pulling out of her chapter. Oh, maybe. Because I, I feel like that. I feel like it had to be building towards her reading the last chapter, right? That was sort of my prediction the whole that time. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see. What? What? Ben Shapiro. He'll he'll read a chapter. Oh my god! They could get real Jordan Peterson to read real? the Norbert chapter. Fuck. Oh shit! Yeah, Jordan Peterson's still <laughs> alive. They're like desperately trying. That's why they haven't posted it yet. They're trying to figure out where they like heard he was in Russia, but like they haven't found out like where where and like they're trying to get in contact with him. Is he still alive? Is did his all meat diet kill him? Yeah, I think they sent like a physical letter in the mail. It has to travel international. Um, <laughs> They're like, Dr. Peterson, we saw your your brilliant um, lecture about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, how Harry rescues the Virgin Ginny from the snake. <laughs> and we would just love you to read a chapter from Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone Oh, for God, this is perfect. Yeah, so we're, we're busting out the big names. We've got Ben Shapiro, Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, Milo will read a chapter. This sure. is the only. This is the only other option they have. Is is just to get all the fucking worst people who who would either agree with or just not care about anything J.K. Rowling said, uh, and and post that PewDiePie will be reading the Mirror of Erised chapter. That's gonna be beautiful. Oh God, Shane Dawson <laughs> will read will read a chapter and keep on making that fucking face to the camera every time something surprising happens. I love that. This is morphing into like a YouTube stars, uh, like the worst YouTube stars imaginable reread of Harry Potter. We've squashed the beef. We got we got H three H three and Keemstar together <laughs> on one chapter. Drama alert! Drake, Drago Malfoy tricked Harry into going to the <laughs> astronomy tower. Wow, oh. this this reread got so wild after the, f- the planned chapter eleven break. Yeah, what a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I feel like the other realistic option, and maybe a, maybe a like uh, a, a reason as to why it still hasn't happened yet, is do you think do you think some like Harry Potter YouTubers are staring down the barrel of getting the opportunity to read a chapter <sighs> versus versus keeping their principles like do you, do you think that they've reached out to to some of the the like fan community and be like you have such a great youtube audience would you love to read a chapter i feel like they're just probably still gunning for actual celebs no offense youtubers mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm yeah i'm just maybe they're just like on the hunt for celebrities who are either openly transfer i mean like that's the thing is they, they can't like uh, the, i need to i need to in my mind separate like wizarding world obviously is not jk rowling like it is a bunch of probably very poorly paid interns right like it's it's not her so it's probably the other direction maybe they're desperately just trying to find any celebrities who don't read the news right because they can't pivot that's that's the tom felton strategy exactly yeah they can't because they can't pivot to just like turning it into jk rowling's like transphobic friend parade because that would be taking a stance and like the brand can't take a stance for or against her at this point right right so 
they've they probably have just got to find like who are the like 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 they're trying to either find like the 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 most just like living under a rock celebs who just don't who who don't check the news and are like sure I will do this, or they are trying to find the like the most bulletproof celebs in the world who would be so who everyone would be so thrilled to see that it wouldn't even matter like if they got keanu reeves everyone loves keanu reeves so much because that became a meme for a while like maybe they're just gunning for like we've got to get the most beloved people i mean they can probably get johnny depp but that mm, yeah but that's still that'll still be taking a stance probably or 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 they'll 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 be seen as as taking a stance like they, they the last thing they want to do right now is like anything yeah i just think that's like the chaos card controversy yeah that's true yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i have a great idea for one mm. um they can get that lady um that played um Tina's mom in Fantastic Beast One. She appears for like three frames um, in the execution chamber scene, and she's like a J.K. <laughs> Rowling require now, and is like, "I loved working on the movie. Yes. I was Tina's mom oh, for three frames." Fuck. There we go. Yes, that would be perfect. Oh, I wonder. Mm, remind me after the show to check out what what she's up to. Yeah. One of J.K. Rowling's funniest repliers was uh was was the lady who appeared for one shot in fantastic beasts <laughs> as tina's mom in a flashback i wonder i think that wizarding world could also just go really big brain and and, and just because just stop but they could release like a special graphic similar to the break and it's like surprise um <laughs> for the rest of the book the celebrity reader was all of you <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. Like the old Time Magazine cover. Yeah. It's like the person of the year is you. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that's what they'll do. They'll ask people to send them in just like the Ichabod art. Oh, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. I love I, that. I hope some grumpy intern at Wizarding World listens to this podcast. You're free <laughs> to take that idea. <laughs> if you are an intern at Wizarding World listening to this podcast, you do you do have my support. Mm-hmm. I'm very sorry you're stuck in 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 this terrible job for this this terrible brand. <laughs> <laughs> the brand is so sick. The brand, she is very sick. <laughs> I keep on thinking about that um that incredible post that we that we read on on wizardingworld.com when it first transitioned and it had like the timeline at the end that was like and many more things to come and it was like fantastic beast 2 and then just all the, the like timeline notches going off into mm, the distance beautiful i'm i'm just you know where where is where is that person now that was such an optimistic <laughs> Such an optimistic vision for the future of, of the of the wizarding world. It was a nice try. It was yeah, they did their best. I wonder I, if the people that are in charge of the game, the AAA game announcement, are like so bummed out. Like God, if they had yeah. like a big presentation planned, where it's like they, I know there's no big presentations because it's all canceled and online and stuff. But mm-hmm. but the, the like fantasy of coming out in your like graphic tee and blazer and being like <laughs> it's the Harry Potter RPG of all, it's Harry Potter Skyrim, everyone. Yeah, everyone like cheers and it's like oh my god, it's the game we've all been waiting for and like that's kind of ruined now. You yeah, can't, the brand is. So you can't cheer in the same way for Harry Potter as you could before. Yeah, not for a yeah. 
I'm so curious about that. How's the concept artist that has that, like, My Chemical Romance <laughs> edit of Harry um, at the studio doing? Like, do you think they're pretty bummed out? Yeah, like, that's that's a weird thing, right? Like, like it, they really are stuck in this weird position where because not only is J.K. JK Rowling's behavior just, like, unconscionably bad, but she's, yeah. like, very present and, you know, and living and and like the still like the stewardess of the brand overall and even if i mean like like i am sure that like her actual honest to god involvement with the game is probably you know a, a few skype calls right where they show her demos and concept art and then she just goes she says like yeah okay i've got to go i've got to go trim my 30 foot hedge now yeah but like even so like that is a probably pretty radioactive uh announcement to to be sitting on for for now and like i don't really blame like like i'm I'm certainly not sitting here going like ooh, you should you should feel bad that you've been working on this triple a harry potter game but like at the same time it's like what do you, what do, you do with that like i'm i, I like i want to play that thing i want to like you know like i said for that that's that 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 thing is such a win-win for us because if it's good it's that's going to be good for us if it's bad that's going to be good for us too but like i'm i'm very curious what what the situation over there is like right now yeah it just can't be good for morale i would say yeah 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 because it's it's, it's usually with these you know with, with these big with these big you know huge huge pop culture properties like like it, it, it's usually grows beyond the author's own influence, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if George Lucas were to come out and say something stupid tomorrow, it wouldn't. It probably wouldn't have that much of a dent on like Star Wars as a concept, right? But J.K. Rowling is like active and like in control of Harry Potter as a brand still. Um, yeah, and I think that it it was so married to her story, her personal stories mm-hmm. for so long mm-hmm. that it's hard to kind of extract those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be very curious to see how they handle that when it when it's finally time to announce that thing, or if they do at this point. <laughs> no, I, well, I. It's the only thing I don't want to get canceled. <laughs> I know that's I know that's selfish because obviously she's going to see like royalties and. And stuff from it but i want it anyway <laughs> <laughs> we, we it, it, i i want it purely because it is um it is our destiny to to see harry potter skyrim fulfilled that is yeah that that is our that is our our, our job on this earth i would say but yes it is it, it is really interesting to think about like what happens with with all of the rest of harry potter with with its with its uh with its creator just being such a like pariah at this point like like i don't know It'd be very interesting to see actually i i found the compromise and it's that um i want the game to come out it's probably like mostly finished and stuff but i want them to to cut her out she won't make any money off of it and they'll do a last minute rebrand and it'll be like hey uh this is star fox adventures 2 now <laughs> finally Star Fox wakes up in a in a castle far far away. <laughs> that's that's my ideal outcome. And Crystal's here. there too. Thank God, bring her back. <laughs> 
Well, okay. Before before we go off on a tangent about Crystal from Star Fox, what do you say we get into our reading for this week? Yeah, okay. Um, we read Chapter 7. Um, it is called The Will of Albus Dumbledore. Um, Harry is, I guess, asleep at the beginning of this chapter, and he has a vision uh, of Voldemort, and Voldemort is walking down a scenic mountain road and thinking angrily about finding someone named Grigorovich. Um, Harry wakes up, um, and Ron has kind of heard Harry talking about Grigorovich, and Harry's like, damn, that's probably important. Um, also, it's Harry's birthday. He's 17, and he can use magic now, so he kind of delights in that a little bit. He summons his, his glasses with magic and ties his shoes with magic, and um, he is, is happy that the, the trace is gone from his wand. Um, Ron gives him his birthday gift in private. Um, and it's like a, well, it's a pickup artist book. Um, and he's like, here, here you go. Now that you're 17, you need this. Fred and George showed it to me. Um, Harry goes down, uh, for his, his birthday breakfast. Mrs. Weasley gives Harry a watch for his birthday, as is tradition in the wizarding world. Uh, when you turn 17, you get a watch and they kind of share a, a kind of cute, you know, uh, uh, a moment, I suppose. Uh, he gets sort of various other gifts. Hermione gets him a sneakoscope. Ginny says, Harry, I have a gift for you, but it's in my room. Um, Harry goes into a room with her, uh, and it's a little awkward. He kind of tries to make awkward small talk. This is the first time they've really like been a, a, like, really alone since they broke up. Um, and, and Ginny's like, I didn't know what to get you. I couldn't get you anything big because then you wouldn't be able to take it camping. Um, but I also wanted to get you something to remember me by. And so she starts making out with him. Uh, but before they can get to any, any more funny business, Ron accidentally walks in and Ginny, Ginny leaves. Um, and Ron um, gets like kind of confronts Harry for di like ditching Ginny and then kissing her again. And it's like, you can't play with her feelings like that. And Harry says, I'm not trying to. Uh, people start showing up for Harry's birthday dinner, including Charlie, Tonks, Lupin, etc., etc. They're all here. Um, they, it, it is now the evening time. Molly made Harry a snitch cake for his birthday. Um, Harry observes that Lupin's not looking too hot, uh, but Tonks, she is simply radiant. Um, Hagrid gives Harry a pouch that you can put stuff in that only you can get the stuff back out again. Um, and right before they're about to sit down for a delightful birthday dinner and cake and evening, um, a patron, a weasel Patronus shows up and says, the minister of magic is coming. Lupin and Tonks are like, we got to get out of here. We'll explain later. And they jump over a fence and leave. Uh, Harry, Ron and Hermione are called privately to talk to the minister of magic. Uh, and, he is executing Dumbledore's will. Um, he's very suspicious, and he left items for Harry, Ron, and Hermione, each individually. And uh, he and we find out that he kind of used a like a loophole in a law, I suppose, to like hold the items as long as possible to try to investigate what kind of secret code they could have been, or if there was something hidden in these weird objects that he that Dumbledore left to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Uh, but he kind of made it; he could only hold it for thirty days, so he had to come give the stuff to them. Um, he gives Ron the Deluminator, which we remember, I think, as the put-outer from book one, mm -hmm. um, and says, 
And in the will, it says, in the hope that he will remember me when he uses it, he gives Hermione a copy of the Tales of Beetle the Bard in the hopes she will find it entertaining and instructive, and finally gives Harry the the first snitch he ever caught in a Quidditch game, a reminder of the rewards of perseverance and skill. Um, At this point, we get to learn that snitches have flesh memories. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about that later. Um, And... The minister is like, I'm suspicious because I think he he gave this to you as like a code or something. Um, also, you have a snitch cake for your birthday. Why is that? Um, and and they're all kind of hoping that like Harry touching the snitch will reveal a secret, uh, but it doesn't. And so the minister is disappointed and is like, well, whatever. Um, also, Dumbledore left Harry the sword of Gryffindor, but he didn't bring it because it wasn't really his to give away anyway. Um, Harry. And the minister kind of have a little standoff where they just, like, fight, I guess. And Harry's like, I don't agree with your methods. You need to go do something useful. And the minister fights back with him, I guess. Um, And then the minister kind of gives up and leaves. They all go to eat birthday dinner. The party's over. Ron... Harry and Hermione meet up before sleeping to talk about their get their special objects they got. Harry realizes that um, he didn't, in fact, catch the snitch with his hand in the, his first Quidditch game. He t- caught it with his mouth. So he gives the snitch a kiss, and Dumbledore's handwriting appears on it, and it says, I open at the close. Ron says the tales of Beetle the Bard are just stories wizards grew up reading. Why doesn't Hermione know about it? Um, and then they're like, we got to go to bed. The wedding is tomorrow. <laughs> is that the end? Okay. I am, I am so delighted by this chapter. Like, like last, last chapter got into it a little bit, but like, if this book is going to be bad, I'm at least thankful that some of it is going to be like this level of full throttle bonkers bad. Yeah. This is a wild chapter. Yeah, I think the other ones that we've read have been kind of mostly pretty boring, and this mm-hmm. one was never boring. No, this one is this one is fucking out there. Starting with Harry's very convenient Voldemort dream at the beginning, where Voldemort is like, I love I love this image of Voldemort like <laughs> walking in the daytime just down a scenic mountain path. And thinking very pointedly about the thing, like, about thing he wants to do, right? (laughs) Thing and person. Like, he's just walking, he's like, (laughs) he's just like, Grigorovich, I need to get that guy. Can't he fly? Yeah, what the fuck? What's he doing? He's just like, the the image of Voldemort as we know him in this book, which is like a, you know, a, a weird nude snake man in mm-hmm. a in a robe just just like just like waddling down this this european mountain pass going like <laughs> oh gotta find that fucking Gorovich. i hate that guy like it is so good what and and mm, i love that harry's like mental connection with voldemort is just like pure, like like not even not even like the pretense of like aesthetics. It is just one hundred percent utilitarian. This is a uh, this is a plot information delivery device. Yeah, pretty much. I I guess Voldemort is really just like doing stuff himself, but I just I can't believe how 
non-sinister this this reads yeah it really just makes voldemort seem like a clown which i I mean like i would love if voldemort was more of just like a wacky bad guy i'm all for it but but the image i have of voldemort now like many characters honestly is just so muddled and so torn between being a cartoon character and being someone from criminal minds like is he alone is he just chilling so yeah, I think he's he, just he like just walking, describes... walking a path, like walking a like a hiking trail in just broad daylight. Yeah, just chill. Yeah, yeah. It's it specifies too that it is broad daylight. Like <laughs> it's it, it, he's just he's just in this beautiful blue like blue skies. He's in the mountains. He's, there's a there's like a scenic little village in front of him, and here comes here comes the snake man just waddling down the street. Like, is he just gonna walk up the main road of the village? Is he, yeah, is he gonna like knock on all the doors and say, "Excuse me, everyone, I'm looking for Mr. Grigorovich. I I hail from a distant town." Is the implication supposed to be that he's like gonna kill everyone in the village? Because I just don't really get that impression. Like, I, it doesn't come off as as like a sinister like grim reaper figure showing up <laughs> at the village he's just like chilling <laughs> yeah i would love this so much more if it was like a like a badass like western scene where the you know the dark rider strides into town and it's like excuse me i'm looking for gorovich and then he like <laughs> shoots everyone in the main street that'd be sick but I don't think that's what's happening. I think I think he's just just having a, a little steamy, pissed off walk in the in the mountains trying to find this guy. I guess I don't really know how the wizarding world works at all. But why? Like you said, why doesn't he fly? But like why did why did he operate in so far away that he had to walk <laughs> down walk down the road? <laughs> like just teleport over there, my man. I'm very curious too, because uh, I guess I guess we we learned that he's not in Britain. Because I'm very curious if this is like a wizard only village or if this is a like a normal Muggle village that just happens to have information about Grigorovich. Because if it's a yeah. if it's a wizard village, they're gonna like someone is going to be like I don't know sitting on their porch or whatever, and then they'll say, "Oh my God, the Snake Man's here!" and panic is gonna erupt. But, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, but he doesn't seem all that ready for action he just seems like he's going for a stroll this seems like an errand you could send a death eater to go do yeah yeah i feel like i feel like kidnapping is something that he has been able to entrust to his his uh his squad so far because mm-hmm. grigorovich we know grigorovich is like he's mentioned offhand in like book two is like oh the other place that kids can get wands right like yeah um so like we we know that it's wand related so maybe maybe voldemort is just like okay i need to do this myself but it's still if he is gonna do it himself i think that at least for the sake of an enjoyable fantasy novel maybe he should be doing something a little more theatrical than just like wandering down the lane i don't know yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the only reason Harry, because Harry does go, like, I feel like I know the name Grigorovich. And I think it's from book four, because Crumb got his wand at Grigorovich. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I know that he has been. The one the one thing in this chapter that is a, a callback to a previous book, as opposed to being made up whole cloth for this one, uh, 
uh is like yeah Gorovich has been mentioned before um yeah but uh but yeah it's um what a way to start this chapter uh, yeah, I just feel like a, I mean, maybe more dynamic scene could have put a little bit more meat on this bone. Yeah, like, Harry, just, Harry's like, had name. these, like, info-dump dreams before, but they've at least been exciting, or at least been trying, you know, like, it was, it's kind of silly and convenient that Harry saw the the snake biting the security guard sitting in the chair in front of the the Department of Mysteries, but, like, at least that was, like, spooky. This is mm-hmm. just, this is just, oh, Voldemort's going for a walk, I guess. And it's thinking about the exact thing I need to know. Uh, just a little too... Like a lot of things in this book, it really just feels like a first draft. Like just getting the very basic scaffold of the story together. Yeah, I'm so on board with the people that thought this book was fake. There's There are some multiple scenes in this chapter where I was like, I fully support everyone who said this was fake. Because you could have fooled me if I if I had not been... <laughs> keenly aware that this is the real book yeah harry's 17 harry is 17 years old uh this is the one scene in the book in the chapter that i was like oh this is really sweet i love this um harry getting the trace removed and like doing really basic magic for fun holy shit he has never done this in any of the books we have never seen him do anything other than be bored about homework in regards to magic uh, yeah, there, there's a part of it that I I never remember how the trace works, and I don't ever remember what the rules of using magic at Hogwarts are, mm-hmm. because I I can't tell if this means that he never does this, like he never ties his shoes with magic, he never like summons stuff while he's at Hogwarts. Like, does he does he wake up in the morning? while he's at Hogwarts and, like, do a little bit of magic? Because I think that they are allowed to or yeah. can't be tracked back to someone. Mm-hmm. I think that there has been, like, an offhand mention of, like, no magic in the hallways or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I, I can't tell if this is, like, a he can he's doing this for the first time or if this is, like, a normal part of his routine while he's at Hogwarts. Yeah, I'd be curious to know because we don't really see much of, like, what his life in the dorm specifically is like. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, we, 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 we have a few, like, dialogue scenes in the dorm, but, like, we don't really follow him from, you know, what's, what's his morning routine, what's his night, nightly routine. Um, but either way, I, I'm just, like, I, I'm so, like, taken by him actually enjoying and being, like, uh, uh, interested in magic here. Like, I wish, I wish that, that this had come before book seven out of seven. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's a sweet moment. He's just like, oh, I'm going to do all the really basic spells I remember. Like, it's, it's cute. I, I really liked this part. Yeah, it's sweet. Um, and then, and then Ron gives him a, a pickup artist book. Yeah, this is the, I think, you know, the Grigorovich scene is funny, but the, the, I think the part where this chapter really starts to build to start building towards it's like completely insane climax is is uh 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 you know it's all start you know you know that 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 it meme it's been getting some resurgence recently of the guy with the big dominoes that start really small and ends really huge yeah so i think that ron giving harry the pickup artist book is the first <laughs> small domino here for this, this very weird chapter 
I do want to say I have no problem with Ron giving Harry this book. I actually think it is really quite funny. Yeah, no, there there's some in the in like the first appearances of it, it is it has some really funny stuff attached to it. It it casts Ron's newfound sense of like chivalry around Hermione in a very funny and kind of dark light that I really like. Mm-hmm. I like the like there, there's some good characterization of of you know he mentions that Fred and George gave him a copy, yeah, uh, and like that that provides some good characterization for them. Um, there's a very funny part where Hermione like asks, "Oh, what did Ron get you for your birthday?" And Ron just kind of ignores her and is like, "Open, <laughs> open Hermione's present, Harry." And like that that part's really funny, but it but it, it I I would say like I said, it's the small domino. It's it's uh. It, it, it's 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 just the, it's the first fairly insignificant uh, uh, part of a much bigger hilarious picture here. Yeah, I mean, I think that like it is fun how scummy Ron is when he gives it to Harry, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is like a fun uh, an amount of like a character being scummy in a way that's fun. Like I think the dialogue is well, it's a I have a little bit of I am of two minds about the dialogues. He gives he gives Harry the book and said it's pure gold. Twelve fail safe ways to charm witches. Explains everything you need to know about girls. If only I'd had this last year, I'd have known exactly how to get rid of lavender, and I wouldn't have known how to get going with it. Anyway, Fred and George gave me a copy, and I've learned a lot. You'd be surprised. It's not all about wand work either. Like that. That's so funny. <laughs> it's very funny. It's it's the first part specifically that I love, which is him going, oh, if only I'd had this last year, I'd known exactly how to get rid of Lavender when we remember that he was just such a fucking wuss about that situation anyway. He, he couldn't possibly have made that situation any worse. Yeah, like, I mean, he's just, he's so awful here. In yeah. But it's like so aware of how awful he's he is, I guess, or it yes. is trying to paint him as awful on purpose Mm -hmm. um here's here's gonna here's my sticking point with this i cannot believe that it made wand work as slang for like sex and Mm -hmm. penis canon Mm -hmm. like canon slang in the universe you can't do that like it's funny it's funny for like the fans to like joke on that kind of thing but like the minute the characters become aware of that it throws so much dialogue into question i mean like like with there there's that um uh uh, a chapter in book four the weighing of the wands Mm -hmm. which has that very funny part where like they're they're talking about like uh uh you know how oh how often do you polish your wand or whatever how often do you do you clean your wand oh your wand is very very swishy etc like that is clearly like meant to be like an in joke that 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 that, that's just a little joke for the the adults reading right like like that's that's meant to be funny but i don't think in that sequence the characters are making those jokes the minute that the characters are like aware of of that double entendre it like ruins the whole house of cards because then you just have uh that just turns that scene from like haha that's that's kind of funny if you think about it in in, in a different way it's like a bunch of old guys asking teenagers hey you jerked off recently which just just doesn't doesn't work and suddenly becomes very weird and gross yeah i'm i i think it's it's a bizarre thing to acknowledge yeah 
and seems like a little bit of a symptom of this book trying to be like more gritty and real because actually I do kind of agree with her that I think that if you lived in a society where everyone walked around carrying sticks that did everything for you absolutely people would make dick jokes about yeah. it right like that I I don't think that they wouldn't in any world but I just like it's one of those things that you kind of have to leave unsaid or it's a weird thing to introduce here that has been a kind of meta-textual joke for the reader mm-hmm. and not for the characters in the story. Yes, yeah. Like, like it, it is... The, 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 the thing you mentioned about, like, of course they would, you know, if, if you lived in a society where everyone was waving a, a stick around, like, that is true, but that is also what makes the meta-textual joke funny, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, like, none of the characters acknowledge how phallic this thing is. right. And like that, that that's what like makes that joke work. And the minute that you like lift that veil, all of those old jokes like are like retroactively ruined because it's like, well, but now there's no longer any joke. Like like the, the, them being unaware of how funny that sounds is taken away. So like just saying, well, yeah, all the characters know how how funny this looks just kind of ruins that, I think. Yeah, for sure. It's such a minor thing, but it, but I, it is it is uh, I think it is is one of the weirder just like small details of like oh, Ron Ron making this joke about wand work really like throws a lot of random dialogue into into disarray here. Yeah, I have a hard time not pointing that stuff out because I I am stuck in this lens where I'm reading this and thinking about all the people that said this book were fake. And I look at lines like that and I'm like, it would be something like that that I would point to and say, I think this is fake because an editor would have caught this. Yeah, yeah. I have this one highlighted as like as as one of the many lines in this chapter where I'm like, I really do empathize with people who thought this was this was a hoax. Along with Harry's pickup artist traditional pickup artist book that he gets when he's 17 he also gets a watch yeah this is this is similar to the wand work thing except kind of in the opposite direction where it's less that it's like oh this is a this is this is like you know removing a layer of meta joke away this is just like this isn't a wizarding tradition this is just like a boys in the 50s tradition this is just this is just a normal muggle tradition that existed. Huh, weird. We're kind of going back to Slughorn having a having a record player for some reason. Just sitting in <laughs> the good old days where you'd sit around the radio and boys would get watches when they turned 17 as a coming of age ritual. It's, it's so... really weird that the wizards are doing that, huh? Yeah. Why why uh what 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 reason would they have to have watches other than it being a symbol of just like you know classy classic british men because like the the thing that's dumb about this is it's like last chapter we got another helping and like this this isn't a bad thing i i enjoy this but it it it, fly, it it completely mismatches this watch thing of like arthur being enamored with motorcycles and wondering how an engine works right mhm like why do wizards why do wizards you know not know how a car works and and, and find television to be novel and, and don't understand electricity but they they do respect the watch the the powerful 
symbol of manhood, the the watch, the piece of jewelry the man can wear. Like what why why is that a part of their culture? Very interesting. Very interesting. Um it's it's too bad because I think that that's like tacky and weird and and really unimaginative. But yeah. I do like this moment between Harry and Molly Weasley, which is one of I think their better kind of like you know, I, I like Molly thinking of him as a son moments, mostly mm-hmm. because I like the contrast. She she specifically says to Harry, like she kind of apologizes and is like, sorry, it's tr- it's traditional for, you know, a boy once he turns 17 to get a, a wizard watch or whatever. Uh, and it, this one's not new, like the one we got Ron. Um, it was a hand-me-down from Uncle So-and-so. Um, and I enjoy that contrast because both like Harry and Ron were giving, given like the exact thing that they wanted, right? Like Ron has always wanted to like get the new thing mm-hmm. that makes him feel like valued, right? Like he got a brand new watch that they presumably saved for and, and on and on. And that meant something to him. And that Molly gave Harry something, which was a hand-me-down that like signaled him being part of a family, which is the thing that he always wanted. Right. Like I think that yeah. that's like a, a sweet moment. So it's like a bummer that it's wasted on a stupid, stupid <laughs> man coming of age ritual watch thing. Yeah, it's 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 a nice moment, and I think it's also a very nice like contrast to last chapter's conflict between Harry and Molly, mm-hmm. because like the un the unsaid thing last chapter was like you know in anger he could have said well like you're not my mom right yeah uh and so to have them come together again and for her Molly to indicate that you know she does see him as family is very sweet and and complicated i think um and and so i I do like that handoff even though like the the just the just pick anything else uh uh, other than a watch it's so pick like a funny wizard thing i don't yeah it's like oh here's the here's the whiz the funny wizard hat that everyone everyone gets a funny wizard hat with stars on it when they turn 17 or like what if it was a watch version of the clock that she has in the in the lounge that is like tells you know shows where everyone is in the family or whatever yeah i i I don't get it i mean i do get it it just sucks yeah it's it's just so boring that like this i've really been thinking about something you said to me last night when we were talking about this which is like how there's a real uh like kind of bittersweet and like kind of dark undertoned to this which is how like the further these books get and the older harry gets the closer the like jk rowling's ideal wizard world just resembles like idealized british society as it already was yeah and like and like this i think is maybe the best symbol of that is it's like you know book one this was all about escaping the normal Mm -hmm. and like the the button down muggle world and now it's like all right congratulations you're 17 you get your watch and then you're gonna get married and have a kid and a white picket fence right after this and it's just really depressing from that perspective yeah it kind of makes me like it more i I, because only because i think that that's like super duper unintentional Um, yeah yeah but is so like that impression is so strong in that in that when i read this it 
it makes me sad. Like it is depressing. Mm-hmm. It is everything is stripped away and it and it's like this weird kind of wasteland effect that at yeah. least there is an effect, right? Like that does make me feel something, even though it's just like despair, sort yeah. of. I yeah, I, it does- I thought about that so much reading this about how like when we are first introduced to the wizarding world, it is through the eyes of Vernon Dursley who looks around and is like, look at all of these adults wearing these silly clothes. Like you can't, you can't be a grown person and walk around wearing like wizard robes that are purple with stars on them. And, and it was just like, and and he goes back to his like white picket fence neighborhood and to have Harry just grow into being that guy. But just the wizard version is so sad. (laughs) Does uh, does Vernon check his watch in that scene? I wonder. I really wonder if there's just like this unconscious connection here, because I, I, I like you're yeah. Vernon is just that guy. He is the stuffy, conservative, zero imagination guy that this this series was like originally like set out to sort of like provide a fantasy escape from. And for for Harry's big coming of age ceremony to be like, here you go, here's your watch, just like, just like if you would never come to the Wizarding World, honestly, is uh, dark. Yeah, uh, it's very depressing. Yeah, I want to talk about this more once we get to the Ginny scene because I have some other mm-hmm. kind of thoughts about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll move on uh, from the watch. Um, and I guess it's just all the other gifts, right? It's just like a gift gift barrage. Yeah, I, the the one that I really want to talk about is it, it's sort of like a broader context of like a precursor to like where Hermione Hermione's character goes this chapter. Yeah, I'm assuming it's because I I, I have to believe this is written the way it is because it's going to be a Chekhov's gun for later. But it's very, again, similarly depressing to me. That like Harry gets all this time with Molly, he gets all this time with um with Ron about how uh uh you know what their presents mean to him and 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 they, they get some dialogue with him and Hermione just like appears and it says in an offhand sentence she had bought him a new sneakoscope. And then it just like lists all of the like other minor characters' presents, like what uh what yeah, Bill like, and Fleur Bill and Fleur got him a razor because he's a man now. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I mean, it's that's like, another one. That's just like... <sighs> <laughs> it's um, it's just kind of sad to see Hermione relegated to, like, the, uh, the other pile of presents, the, like, the, like, non-important character ones. I'm like, oh, Like, Hermione used to get him the most thoughtful presents in these books. She got him, like, that, that broom maintenance kit. She got him that Quidditch book. Or whatever, like like Hermione's Hermione's been very thoughtful in the past. And for her to for her to just get blown off by the author here, just like, oh, she got him a sneakoscope. Moving on. It's yeah. kind of it's in the same paragraph as Fred and George, who just got Harry merch from their store. <laughs> store! Fuck yeah, off, I, Fred and George. I will say I do like that from them. Yeah, That's but very- Harry owns stock in the store. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, Harry put up the money for them to make that stuff. <laughs> I do like that just because the, the things we learn about Fred and George this chapter is that they got their little brother a pickup artist book and they just send Harry 
the person who made their dreams come true just like a a box of their own merch uh uh is very funny to me like they're just shitty sucks so bad sucks so bad in a way that i find very funny i you know there is a style of post on the harry potter subreddit and and it typically comes up in in um, Snape threads mostly <laughs> because the, it is a way of analyzing characters where you just I get I mean I've re- like truly like cherry pick scenes and say Harry is really unobservant and then you list all of the places where he's unobservant right <laughs> and and it and Snape in particular gets those threads because someone can make a post about like Snape is good and here's all the quotes and then it's like no Snape is bad <laughs> he did all of this <laughs> I swear to God, I could not, I don't think I could think of a single, like, non-scummy thing that Fred and George did in this entire series. Like, they are just, they are just (laughs) scumbags, which I think is great. I think it's great that there are just, like, two scumbags in the story, but that, they are, like, very consistent in that way, which I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the closest thing is, uh, in book five, them, um... Uh, 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 causing all of the like the like chaos and uprising in the school, but I think also that was very self-serving for them, right? Like they just wanted to advertise their new products and uh, uh, go out with a bang, so they're remembered. So even their like most noble act is is very uh, very selfish. Yeah, I guess the Marauders map is probably the singular like good thing they did like the- yeah giving that to harry yeah but they mostly gave it to him so he could like get in trouble <laughs> you know like that that was more than like taking him under their wing yeah i guess and so being like here's here's how to be here's how to be a scumbag like us which is again very fun and very characterful but like the i think that out of all the characters Upon this, like, return to the series, I think Fred and George is the the pair of characters that just, like, my view of them has flipped so much from last time I read the series. Yeah. I used to just, I, I used to, they used to be my favorites because they were just funny, right? Like, they were the comic relief. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think they're still funny, but I think that them just being absolute shitheads <laughs> is just something that flew over my my head every time i read this as a teen and now reading going back and reading i'm like oh yeah these guys are awful uh in a very fun to read way yeah uh jenny's gift jenny jenny's gift, gift. Uh, harry is gonna get some sex for his birthday huh oh this whole thing is so crazy though because I, look i i get I get that she had to get him alone because th- she's like, oh, I, I, I hate to think of what to get you for your birthday. <laughs> I got you sex for your birthday. That is that is just the only way to read this, right? I assume. That is the least... only implication. It, yeah. I mean, unless but, but, it's like, I'm going to kiss, like, we're going to make, make out, out really good so hard. for your birthday. Yeah, we're going to make out so, which, which I don't think it can be because they as we learn in book six, they were when they were together, they were making out all the damn time. What drives me crazy about this? Oh, there are multiple things that drive me crazy about this scene, but like the number one thing is her like announcing this at the top of the stairs in front of everyone. 
Harry's like eating breakfast. His, her parents are like sitting around at the breakfast table with him. She's just like, it's time for my gift. Come to my room. <laughs> just, hey, could you come upstairs for a second? Like, hmm, hey, could you come to my room, please? <laughs> Harry, there's got to be a better way to get, get his attention without just like announcing it to the rest of your family. What's going on? I want to I wanna know, like, if everything had gone to plan and they hadn't been interrupted... What what does that look like afterward? Like they, Ginny says in front of her entire family sitting around the breakfast table, Harry, I want to give you a gift, but it's <laughs> in my room. You have to come up alone. And like, are they going to leave? And Ron's going to be like, hey, what was the gift? <laughs> Ron and Hermione is just being like, hey, what did you get him? That's that's why they would barge into the room. They were just so excited to see what the secret <laughs> gift was. What, what's the gift? Hey, I want to see. I want to see what you got our friend. <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's uh who? It's 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 a bizarre way to to set this scene up. We get a we uh, we get like some nice details. I like Harry's like as soon as it g- g- moves away from the top of the stairs where it's just insane awkward. I like the scene inside the room where it's like, oh, nice posters. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice view. I, this, it's so close, you know? Yeah. Um, the other thing that really uh, stuck out to me, and I, I want to have kind of a wider conversation with about this because we talked a lot last week about Harry jumping up and comforting her, trying to comfort Hermione when she cries. Yeah. Uh, like he's so ready, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I'm feeling very vindicated by saying that like one of Harry's most consistent personality traits is that he doesn't like when people show intense emotion, particularly crying. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes back here, and it's not even like a read on it. He just literally in the text thinks that to himself, like cites it as one of the reasons that he likes Ginny, which is that she doesn't cry. It says he chanced to glance at her. She was not tearful. That was one of the many wonderful things about Ginny. She was rarely weepy. Mm-hmm. That is a wild thing for a character to think. And I, I really love it. I love that. He thought that to himself. Yeah. I think that's great. It's very characterful. It, 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 Harry's interest in Ginny is so interestingly interestingly wrapped up in like her quote unquote more masculine traits. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. And like the 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 fact that Harry views crying as like an exclusively feminine trait, which I mean like that's that's a believable thing for a teenage boy to believe and more specifically a teenage boy written by a like middle-aged british woman right yeah but it's it's very i think this is like the culmination of all the things we've been pointing out over this series about like harry harry's like gaze being so interesting in the way he like views women and the way that he notices men more physically I, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot to kind of work through there that I find very fascinating. Yeah, I mean, he specifically, in thinking like, oh, I'm glad Ginny doesn't cry, thinks he had sometimes thought that having six brothers must have toughened her up. Mm-hmm. It's a very silly thing to say, but it's like, I get it, right? I think that it provides, finally, 
after books of not understanding why these characters like each other, I, I see this and go like, huh, that's interesting. Like Harry, Harry sees Ginny as a boy basically, or like what his, ver- what his like conception of a boy is, is having boyish traits. And I, I, I just am fascinated by the implications that has for the story that are also then after this scene, basically immediately dropped. Yeah. I mean, even like when he's, when they're making out, right. And I'm not saying like this book needs to get like really very saucy or anything. And it Mm -hmm. certainly shouldn't. Right. But the thing that he thinks is she was the only real thing in the world. Ginny, the feel of her one hand at the back at her back and one in her long, sweet smelling hair. Like that's, that's the, the best, the best Harry can come up with is (laughs) the feel of her. I like your, I like your, I like back your hair. And hair. I love your back and hair. <laughs> we're we're back to the hair thing. Hair, the the thing that Harry notices most about girls physically is the hair. I would like to also point out that in the scene where Harry's about to get some sex for the first time, but sadly does not, um, he like notices her hair. But also in this chapter running parallel to this is I think Charlie Weasley getting a haircut and then also sneaking out to go regrow his hair long. <laughs> It is like I don't think this is a, a a good scene, but I think it is a very illuminating scene, right? And just in terms of like what it brings to the table for these characters, or and specifically for Harry, and, like the way Harry is written. Yeah, it's it's laid very bare. There are some kind of bumps in the road, and like it's clumsy, right? Like I some of these lines just really stuck with me, but then we have this like back to this refrain about Ginny bringing up the Vila thing again and I'm just like that is so so we talked about it last week and I know it's like gross so I hate to bring it up again but the the like Ginny being jealous of the 11 year old Vila um yeah as a throwaway joke that just kind of follows a trope that is in every media like mainstream media thing ever made I, mm-hmm. I think that it is reasonable to be like, okay, it's a stupid joke. It shouldn't have been in there, but she didn't like think it through, right? Mm-hmm. It is so bizarre to have it come back up to have Ginny yeah. to have Ginny like, I'm giving you some sex for your birthday, um, so that in case you meet any any Vila children on your on your journey, and I'm <laughs> like, oh my god, what? Yeah, if, uh, I thought I'd like you to have something to remember me by, you know, just in case you meet some Vila while you're off doing whatever you're doing. Like, that's clearly what's on her mind. Like, she saw that happening and was like, if I don't lock this down right now. Yikes. Yeah. Horrible. Um, also, really. Also, also not horrible, but the probably my funniest, funniest line in this whole thing is Harry responding to that. I think dating opportunities are going to be pretty thin on the ground, to be honest. That's a that's a Geralt that line. It's a Geralt line. That's a Witcher three line right there. On the ground, why, I don't know why Harry is like a troop here. Because <laughs> he's leading the charge against Voldemort. Yeah, I guess. I like I like I like her. Her dialogue here is very good in some ways. Mm-hmm. The, the Vila line aside, I do really like the line. There's the silver lining I've been looking for. Like that's that's a good that's a good romance line. There's there's some, she, like J.K. Rowling has it in her. She can do it. She can write a good romance scene as like robotic as a lot of these scenes have felt up until now. Yeah, that's fair enough. 
like the scene is I'm I'm really torn because like this whole thing it's like I don't think it's very well set up or anything but I'll take some going through the motions of some teen drama so I'll take it but it's like there are some real bumps and it's a bumpy ride I'll say I think the funniest one honestly is there's the there's the bit where it goes Harry was kissing her back and it was blissful oblivion better than fire whiskey which we learned last chapter that he can't handle fire whiskey. Right. There are just like a lot of bizarre inconsistencies here. And and this is one that I don't really want to point out as like an inconsistency, but it is weird because I feel like sometimes the characters will act in an inconsistent way. And instead of write, like changing what she's writing, instead she writes the characters talking themselves out of being inconsistent. And And I guess like the crying <laughs> thing is one of them because it's like, Last chapter, we had Harry jumping up and being very ready to comfort Hermione, who was crying. And then in this one, he thinks to himself, you know, Ginny doesn't cry, and that's one of the reasons I I like her a lot. Mm -hmm. And then she leaves, and he thinks to himself, he thought she might have succumbed for once to tears. He could not do anything to comfort her in front of Ron. And I'm like, but you don't like to come. You just you just said three paragraphs yeah. ago, you don't like it when girls cry and you don't know what to do, which is also not true because you tried to comfort Hermione when she was crying. It's just yeah. all over. the And place. I know it tries to write itself out of that being a contradiction because it says for, for once. once to tears yeah i i'm I'm glad you brought up that line specifically too because i think i think ultimately what makes this scene like like in a in a vacuum i think that this is the most successful like romantic scene that jk rowling has written in this series Mm -hmm. but where it completely falls apart and where it starts tying back into more with like the depressing like death march towards normalcy that's going on in this book Mm -hmm. The fact that I, I, I would say the way this scene is set up. So so Ginny is like, you come now at the top <laughs> of the stairs, gets Harry, gets Harry into into her room, starts making out with him. Ron and Hermione, Ron bursts in. Hermione's trying to stop him. Ginny starts crying. And this line Harry, Harry has here where he says to himself, you know, he could not do anything to comfort her in front of Ron. Which goes back to the conflict he had in book six about how, like, oh, I feel like I'm choosing between Ginny and my best friend, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he's cho- he's made his choice here, I think. Yeah. I I feel like there is, you know, outside of a very intense heart-to-heart uh, talk with Ginny, I feel like this would be the end of that relationship. Like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't? What do you mean you can't? comfort her in front of ron right in this in this moment i mean like this isn't criticism of the writing this is just like me criticizing harry as a person right which i i think it would be a good scene if like here's harry's last fuck up with this relationship right like he he just he is unable to get over this like oh am i choosing am i you know am i choosing my friend or am i choosing Ginny? because he he's really fucking pathetic here like what a wuss like you like you can't you can't comfort a, a girl in front of her brother. Right. Like, what a loser, honestly. Like, <laughs> which, again, not a criticism of the writing, just like, wow, he comes off as pathetic here, and I am 
depressed by the fact that even in this, you know, by the end of this chapter, him and Ginny are like shooting like funny like smirks at each other, and like 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 you know they're they're just sort of like back on the down low, which like God, like let Ginny escape this horrible relationship, please. Like yeah, I. I... It it really again comes back to for me a an unwillingness to have any characters experience consequences. And I and yeah. I don't mean that in like even like a moralizing way. Like I'm not trying to say no, like, no. oh, character did something bad, they must be punished to show the reader that what they did <laughs> the was bad. Right, the crimes of Ginny Weasley. The crimes of Ginny Weasley and those like her <laughs> I don't mean it in like a punitive way. I mean it in like a literal storytelling cause and effect yeah. way. Like yeah. Harry made these mistakes and has to be affected by them at all, right? Yeah. Harry Harry was like confronted like like Ron you know, like breached and like like if there's one silver lining to the the way that Ginny set up the scene here with her standing at the top of the stairs and going like attention Harry we are going into my bedroom now <laughs> like like the one thing uh uh that 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 at least sets up is that like Ron would cotton on to what's going on mm-hmm. and him busting into the room is like a huge breach of like privacy and and like trust right yeah and for Harry to just take it, not only like him for himself to take that lying down, but for him to also not comfort the girl that he was about to about to have sex with, <laughs> just like what a fucking worm you are, Harry. And like I feel like Ginny should be painfully aware of how Harry did not help her or stand up for her or stand up for himself in this scene. And just like I want the I want the and like I think that's such a good setup too, which is so why it's so weird that I just remember like and and yeah then Harry goes camping and then they come back and we have the epilogue and they're married and they have two kids and it's like wow okay like I guess I guess Ginny really liked him huh if she if she'd put up with that like it's just so it's depressing in like the face of like where I know this book is going right like. Like, I would be so much more engaged with this, I guess, if I didn't know that, like, the epilogue was coming down the pipe. It really does. It really is, like, ominous reading this book and just, like, knowing where it ends. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it makes all of this stuff feel really futile. I mean, it's crazy to me that this is all framed around this, like, de- the device of the, the pickup artist book that comes up several times throughout the chapter, too. And, and mm-hmm. I... Like I said, I love the scene of Ron giving it to him, and and it, mm-hmm. there is such a clear setup, especially like like you said, like treating Ginny and being shitty, like being a pathetic guy, right? And then also, mm-hmm. and then having him think like I don't like it when girls cry, right? Like he, he is being <laughs> such a classic misogynist here, and it is yeah. framed around the device of the pickup artist book. So for that to not go anywhere is so weird because Ron is basically saying to him on his 17th birthday, the same birthday where Ginny's like, I'm giving you sex for your birthday. He's like, here's how you treat women like shit. That's the answer, right? And and they're and they're and, but that just isn't a thing other than a joke, I guess. Yeah, well, and and not only that, it's it's interesting in the way that um, 
it reveals Ron's like hypocrisy around this too, right? Because he gave Harry this book that says treat women like shit, basically. And then, um, like has like his, his, his argument that he has with Harry after this, where he, you know, they, they go out into the garden and yell, yell at each other is that he's being very protective of Ginny and is accusing Harry of like being like, 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 like he, he's basically accusing Harry of being a pickup artist. Yeah. And it's like, at no point does Harry go, you literally just gave me this book. And it's not even, the, for one, like, that is not, obviously not the situation. Ginny initiated this whole scene. But also, Harry just has no spine and doesn't go, like, didn't you just give me a book that's all about, like, picking up women? Like, why why do you get, like, weird about this as, as soon as I do it in front, you know, or as soon as you think I'm doing it in front of you? Like what? Why? Why is it that you can only see your sister as a human being? It's uh, there's a lot of like unsaid stuff here that could be cool and make for a lot of very interesting character drama that's just like dropped, um, with no with no recourse. Yeah, and I and I think that, like even if it doesn't become like characters realizing things to have have characters experience consequences for their behavior again, basic cause and effect of the things that they're doing, but instead it just feels mm-hmm. inconsistent and it just like. It's, it's like gives me whiplash reading the different ways the characters react to similar situations and and just not having any consequences. We're, we're not quite to the scene yet, but the, the book comes back back up in the dinner because Ron <laughs> like demonstrates a technique from the book, which is giving a girl a compliment, right? And yeah. and he, like, basically compliments Hermione for doing something. And she's, like, flustered and confused and is like, thanks, like, you never compliment me. And then gives Harry a big wink. And Harry's, like, a little clueless, but, he, when, but then, like, Molly brings out the snitch cake and Harry says, that looks amazing. And Ron, like, is like, nice, nice job, yeah. like, good job. And it's just, like the sequence of events here where it's like, here, Harry, here's a pickup artist book. Good luck. Harry, you were kissing my sister. Don't play around with her feelings. <laughs> Harry, you're hitting on my mom. Nice. <laughs> oh God. I wish, I, I wish that we had gotten a little bit more of like what's in the pickup artist book too, because there is something like, I like it, it is characterful and funny in the, the the contrast between Ron and Harry here is that Ron Ron has only just learned that giving people compliments is nice to do. <laughs> and Harry is like Harry is being genuine when he says the cake looks amazing. Um and Ron just like cynically being like, oh, this is because of the pickup artist book. Like that's so funny. But like but like Ron has such a warped and like cynical view of the world right now, thanks to this book, that he he just thinks that like anytime someone compliments a woman, it's for sex or whatever. Whereas Harry is just like, I don't know, they're like as dumb as Harry can be. Like it, he is at least genuinely nice sometimes. Um, but I I wish we had gotten a little bit more with the book because it, it's I I I I want a little bit more than just like oh compliment people right because that 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 could be 
how to win wizards and influence people as well, right? And I want I want a few more like pickup artist specific things for Harry and Ron to clash over. And if it, if this was a better book, this would be like a running thing throughout this whole novel. Yeah, it'd be like the B plot, and like the, and like part of it would be like books evil. Actually, it reminds me of like a supernatural plot. That sounds like a supernatural <laughs> episode to me. Is like De- Dean be... gets a pickup artist book, and then it's like, oops, there was a demon in the pickup artist book, and it's like a, there's like a moralizing lesson at the end where Sam is like, nope, you have to be genuinely a good person. Sorry, Dean. I mean, it would be cute, right? Because, like, evil books have been a constant image in this series. Mm-hmm. And so, like, a really low-level one comparative, you know, it's, you know, it's not a Horcrux. It's not Snape's uh, evil, evil uh, sword spell book. It's just a, like, shitty, trashy pickup artist book. Like, that could be kind of fun. Just, like, a, a lower, a slightly lower stakes version of that thing we've seen before already. yeah. I mean, and it could just, like, create conflict in the Ron-Hermione relationship, which I think the only conflict we have for that is, like, the Boromir stuff. Um, yeah, I'm very curious now, because I, I I did not remember this, this book being a, like, device in this story at all. Mm-hmm. And I really want to know, like, does Hermione ever find out? Or, or is this just going to be Ron's behavior and and she's going to be chill with it for, you know, the rest of her life? Yeah, because, like, I, it kind of writes itself a little bit. Like, the idea of this arc between, like, they started the relationship because they were always friends and they liked each other and she liked him. And then all of a sudden he gets this, like, idea in his head that's like, oh, this is how you gotta, this is how you gotta make women like you. And all of a sudden she's mm-hmm. like, ew, why are you doing this? Right? Like, it's just, it's not, yeah. it's not that Because she already likes him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm so curious because I, I just don't have any recollection of this book really outside of this chapter being a, a a a device and i just wonder if is there ever going to be a scene where hermione is like wait a minute or like why are you acting like this or like were you only being nice to me because of this but i'm 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 this is less of a criticism more of just a like huh i wonder because i i literally don't remember if this ever comes up again if i was gonna gonna place a bet my bet would be on it never coming up again (laughs) (laughs) oh god um similarly uh uh, depressing and kind of semi-related to this can we talk about harry's mind's eye of Ginny? uh after ron yells at him yes i've been dying to talk about this Mm -hmm. the dress right Yes. So Ron yells at Harry and is like, stop messing around with my sister's feelings. And he doesn't, well, also he doesn't say like, I, d- I didn't, it, was, it wasn't me. But anyway, she's not an idiot. She knows it can't happen. She's not expecting us to, to end up married or, as he said it, a vivid picture formed in Harry's mind of Ginny in a white dress, marrying a tall, faceless, and unpleasant stranger. In one spiraling moment, it seemed to hit him. Her future was free and unencumbered. Whereas his, he could see nothing but Voldemort ahead. Lots to unpack here. I love that after spending a paragraph talking about how much he likes Ginny because she is like, I mean, let's face it, because she's, you know, not like other girls, basically. For she him, doesn't for cry. His, like, she plays Quidditch with the boys. Like she tells fart jokes with the boys. That's what I like yeah, about Ginny. That's right. Um, this his like his like 
you know, prevailing image of her is like her in just a traditional white muggle wedding dress is deeply revealing of the author and also very depressing. I, where did Harry get this image for? Because obviously he's, he is seeing her marrying someone who isn't him and that's upsetting to him, which means that he wants that, right? Like that, that is yeah. what that is telling us. Where is that cultural image that he has for himself coming from? Yeah. I know the answer, and it's J.K. Rowling. Yes, it's innate to J.K. Rowling, and you're just supposed to go, oh, wedding, white dress. Harry loves Uh, weddings. Harry loves traditional (laughs) muggle weddings. (laughs) But yeah, it's so weird that that's his his picture of her, especially after he just said, like, damn, you know, she she doesn't cry. She doesn't do any of this other girly shit that I hate. And so him also imagining her... In just like the bog standard traditional white dress, which I, again I'm not like throwing shade at that concept. If if you like that, whatever. But it's it's inconsistent for him as a character to like have that be his his picture of her, because we we know that like the reason he likes her is because she is like chill, cool boy, basically. Uh, the 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 alternative I threw out here was like it would be cute if he like imagined her and him like goofing off at a quidditch game right like getting some overpriced beers and some peanuts and 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 watching the game and then imagining like oh no what if another boy what if another guy got, gets to hang out with her like just something other than like oh no i won't have i won't get to have a traditional marriage like just really weird uh for a 17 year old boy to be obsessed with like oh i I better get a tux and dress and I can't look at the bride before the just just really weird shit. Yeah, I mean, I think that like that image is a really hard thing to escape if you are someone that like grew up in our culture with like it, it like and to think that Harry would have that. It just makes no sense. Like, I, yeah. I'm i sure that he was exposed to that idea because presumably the Dursleys were, like, watching a lot of TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that wouldn't have been a thing where Aunt Petunia and, and Vernon were like, we can't wait to see your beautiful bride. Your like, like yeah. that's going to be you one day, Harry. Like, I, I just think that yeah, any has no association to to that. he would have would be negative, especially when... Uh, like even if he was just like watching the same like rom-coms or whatever that the Dursleys had on TV, the image of Hagrid showing up and being like, I'm taking you out of this world to like the world of imagination. It seems like he would just like jettison any of those like negative cultural ideas that don't really like ever related to him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like, that's the whole purpose of of the story in in book one is that like you're leaving you're leaving the normal world and entering a more imaginative and and free world. Uh, I mean, like I think this this has been coming up a lot lately um, with people t- writing about how like you know as disappointed as they are in J.K. Rowling, I'm you know I'm I I still love Harry Potter, and I think that that is often a I think frustrating thing to read because i think it's just like not important whether or not you still like the story right like 
um a lot a lot of these uh these statements and like apologies and stuff are are, are are so focused around like can i still like the thing but i will say i do really empathize with how people got there not because of any of the like moralizing that the story does as it goes along but i think that just the core image of harry potter like if you were just to read the first one right now sight unseen that first chapter setting up such a clear dichotomy between the the stuffy conservative muggle world and the i mean like the the imagery in that first chapter is a man wearing purple mm-hmm. and a bunch of and, and colors and it's like there is i even if it's completely unintentional even if jk rowling clearly has a huge chip on her shoulder about like real queer people i totally sympathize with someone who like looks at the wizarding world and goes like yes the dichotomy is supposed to be between the the like the 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 stuffy social norms and like the you know the um the the free and like like the 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 queer and like all over the infinite possibilities of identity right like i get that yeah um and and this is the part that I wish at the same time that people who who are hanging on to that remember is that for as for as as welcoming as that initial image scenes, book seven does end with everyone getting a traditional marriage and getting a job as a cop and and just completely abandoning that sense of um of of like as wanting to escape the normal um and i think this scene is just such a uh, like such a perfect encapsulation of that it's just like like jk rowling you're right in that it's like it's 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 very difficult um to escape the um uh uh, your cultural norms when you're writing fantasy Mm -hmm. you know yeah like 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 all fantasy carries the baggage of 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 people who wrote it in some form or another not always it's not even always a bad thing it's just like you know you can you can always draw a line between things in fantasy and and the person who wrote it but i think it really does behoove you as also as a fantasy writer to be aware of that right mm-hmm. and where i think that this ultimately falls apart as a as a fantasy novel and as a fantasy world is that like i just like like jk rowling just just imparts so much traditional british culture into this story um without thinking what no i I, because without thinking is wrong i mean like she is thinking she's not thinking about the right things for the story right she is just imparting what she thinks is right and good uh uh regardless of whether or not it makes sense in her fantasy land right yeah and i and i think that it really does make me look back at the earlier books and think about how much of of what the like i guess the subtext that you read into it was really just more of a byproduct of an aesthetic choice. Because yeah. the aesthetics of the wizarding world changed halfway through. Mm-hmm. The, it changed yeah. from Dumbledore in a purple robe with stars on it, standing up and saying blubber, oddment, tweak, to Slughorn listening to a record player in his office and Harry getting a, a traditional watch when he becomes a man <laughs> yeah and wa- and wanting a normal wedding yeah yeah 
just grim and like that 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 i mean that that is certainly a coming of age, coming of age story but like that is a coming of age story about someone having the like imagination and identity pummeled out of them by society which is deeply depressing yeah i mean there's a story there right i mean yeah. like if it was intentional that would be incre- an incredibly powerful story right yeah like, like Har- harry realizing that he didn't get taken out of you know the 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 bad normal world it just this one just looks different but it's the same yeah 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 it could be it could be very powerful from that perspective but it's uh instead it's just kind of nonsensical i mean it's just like a lack of imagination right it, it yeah I, I also um I, I mean we'll talk a little bit more about just the utter destruction of Hermione's character and how she doesn't <laughs> really exist anymore. And I do have, I wouldn't even call it a theory, but just kind of a feeling like JK Rowling wrote herself into the book, but like herself as a child in Hermione starting in the early books. And at some point, every part of her that was in Hermione got transferred over to Harry Mm-hmm. Because I think Harry is much more her voice now and is much more like, oh, yes. I want a traditional wedding and I want to get you know, like all, all his stuff. And, and and um and so now there's like Hermione is just like an empty shell of a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, before I think that that's like maybe the next most important thing to get to. Um, quick, quick side trip before that. Sure. Um, can I read a line that I think is my number one? Just like I, I would agree with anyone who thought this was fake. <laughs> yeah. So after Harry and Ron kind of hash it out about uh, about Ginny, he goes back inside. No one. Also, one of my favorite things here: no one comments on on anything that just happened. Nope. Like they like they all saw Ginny call Harry upstairs. They all saw gift. this fight happen. What was the gift? <laughs> Well, hey Harry, what did you get? I didn't get anything. Um, There's nothing there. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, he bumps into Hagrid, and Hagrid says, "Seventeen, eh?" As he accepted a bucket-sized glass of wine from Fred. Six years to the day since we met, Harry. Do you remember it vaguely? Said Harry, grinning up at him. Didn't you smash down the front door, give Dudley a pig's tail, and tell me I was a wizard? <sighs> yep, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Harry. That is exactly what happened. No one talks like this. Not even fictional characters. Why? Why? Why would you leave that in? Why? Like, again, this is like note cards shit. This is first draft stuff. This this could just be condensed to Hagrid saying six years since I smashed down the door and gave your cousin a pig's tail, isn't it? Right? Like. You could you could call back to that without it having having it be so robotic. I think I'm going to start uh, a conspiracy theory right now. Mm. I think this book is fake. This is my <laughs> this is my new conspiracy. Someone else at Scholastic wrote it. It's true. It was fake the whole time. Uh, she didn't want to write the last book. This is this is fanfic. <laughs> it was ghost written the whole time. Yep. Yeah, it's super weird. And again, I think I think this might have been one of the lines that someone pointed out uh, in in a I, I've been looking at like blog posts um, similar to the one we read last week of just like people going, I think this is fake. And here's why. And I think this is one of the lines that comes up. It's just like, no, Hagrid would never talk like this. 
And Harry would never talk like this. And turns out, nope, that's just how boring this book is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 this is a continuing theme where I feel like characters, like, signal things about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, they just, like, recite facts. Yeah. I guess. Yep. They just read their wiki pages to each other. It's really weird. Yeah, that's what, I mean, like, that's what, we'll, we'll get to it after this, but, like, that's what Hermione's reduced to in this, in a lot of ways. Yeah. We talked about it last week, too, with her just being like, I should take Hogwarts a history. It would feel weird to not have Hogwarts a history with me. Hmm. Yeah. But yes, let's let's get to this scrim scrimger scene and and Hermione and and the rest of this this nonsense here. Okay, I have two points before scrimger shows up. Um scrimger. One I know I goofed on this during the summary, but it is so weird that Harry just like looks at Lupin and Tonks and is like Lupin looks unhappy, but Tonks looks simply radiant. Is She's what, radiant. is what she th- he thinks to himself. Yeah. What a crazy thing to think. Um, and I only bring it up because I'm. Sh- I assume this is going to be a plot point. I don't know why they can't see the minister. Is it because they have like a resistance podcast and that's illegal? Um, I think it is twofold. I think it is one they have a resistance podcast, and I think it is also number two. Uh, Lupin is an isn't Lupin like an unregistered werewolf or something? I don't think so. She's she's pregnant with a werewolf baby, and he's feeling guilty about it, and he's going to run away. That's why she looks radiant. That sucks so bad. If that sucks, yeah, no, that's that's what the that's what the radiant thing is. No, yes, that is one hundred percent. No way. Yes, that is that is that is Harry looking at 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 Tonks, and she goes, "Oh, she's so radiant. She's got a baby." Harry is J.K. Rowling now. I know yeah. I said that before, but like, what? But yes, that is a hundred percent. Yeah, no. Tonks looked radiant because she settled down. She's she's got a baby in her, and 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 Lupin is sad because he's gonna he's planning to run away uh, from her because he because he feels that she doesn't deserve her. Yeah, he doesn't deserve her. Just pathetic. I wish these characters were dead before now. This sucks <laughs> so bad. <laughs> They're so fucking boring. All of these people. What a just sad thing to happen to lupin like one of my favorite characters from book three it's just i he should have died off screen i hate this so much yeah they've 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 taken the two i would say arguably just like the two and like in tonks's case it's like mostly accidental because jk rolling 100 percent just like went to the library and looked up like punk girl when she was inventing <laughs> tonks uh but like the two gayest character is getting married and just like having a baby really young is just so boring and bad for like the, these characters right like how depressing uh but, but yes patronuses are cell phones now <laughs> yes patronuses mr weasley's patronus this is, is a huge. weasel this is huge technology it's patronus is a weasel and I really want to know the logistics of not only is this like message thing stupid, but this um, I want to know the logistics of it. Because if 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 Mr. Weasley is traveling with Scrimger in the, the wizard car or in, uh, uh, you know, if they're like apparating in or whatever, 
when did he send this message? Because as far as we know, Cassiopeia Patronus is one very difficult, and two, you have to yell "Expecto Patronum." So, like, what did he do? Did he like sneeze and cover it up? Did he like go to like, "Excuse me, Minister, I've got a, I've got a real bad shit coming. I gotta, you can't, don't follow me into the bathroom, please." And he like went and did it in there. Like, what? Where did he do this? I feel like if Patronuses can deliver messages like this, like the idea that the idea that most adult wizards can't cast a Patronus because it's too hard makes sense when they have a very narrow use case, which is if you're getting attacked by Dementors. But <laughs> but this is huge. This is huge technology that you're stapling onto a Patronus because now the Patronus being able to attack, like protect you if you get attacked by Dementors is more like a side case. It's like a bonus. That's like yeah. a bonus thing it can also do. This is no longer getting attacked by Dementors spell. This is the message spell. Oh, it also is useful if you're getting attacked by Dementors. This is like, this is like the water in signs. It's like, it's like, oh, it's not, it's not, that is a weapon fashioned to fight the aliens. It's just, oh, the water, this stuff we like to drink and use for everything, also it kills the aliens. Right. Right? Like <laughs> it's like if your phone flashlight could make ghosts go away. It's just like, oh, what a neat side effect of this thing that I always have. I I feel like this have like the Patronuses being able to do this would make it much more of a necessary spell for all adults to know. Yeah. I mean, it honestly makes me annoyed that in book five, when Harry is trying to communicate with Sirius, they have to do it over like the the flu network, and like it's very pointedly like like mentioned to us that like oh the flu network is being watched, so we can't do that. So like why can't why why doesn't Harry just like send send the stag over to 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 Sirius with a message or something? Like can they do that? Can they just like can you can you? DM each other with Patronuses? Why didn't Lupin say that they could do this while he was teaching Harry the Patronus? <laughs> do you have to or is it now is it like the fireplace where like you are effective like you have to say the thing? Is it like a recording or is it like you just think really hard when you're casting the Patronus and it'll say it? Is it like is it like ghost in the shell like telepathic communication? I have to look this up. There has to yeah, be more lore. Is there any lore? Take us to the Patronus wiki page. I I was a fool and I first clicked on the wizardingworld.com feature what is a Patronus and it has no good information. Although it does have the other thing that the Patronus does which will turn into the form of your true love sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but only when Snape does it specifically. Well, um, Lupin had to disguise his Patronus so as to not reveal the fact that he is a werewolf. And I think that Tonks became a werewolf when they fell in love. Or became oh, a that's wolf. right. Yeah, it changed because Snape had that really bitchy line about it in book six. And Aberforth is a goat because he likes to fuck goats. <sighs> it's the wiki. The wiki will save me here. <laughs> the Patronus charm is the most famous and one of the most powerful defensive charms known to wizard kind. It is an immensely complicated and extremely difficult spell. 
Mm. Think about how complicated it is that evokes a partially tangible positive energy force known as a Patronus, or spirit guardian. It is the primary protection against Dementors and Lethifolds, against which there are no other defense. That's all it says. But it also can deliver messages and show you who your true love is. That's so funny. I mean, again, it's just it just comes out of nowhere here. Like, like I mean, there there's there are a few things that are uh, going to be revealed out of nowhere in this chapter, but like this is this is a big one, I think. Okay, so Dumbledore invented the way. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no! Don't do this to me. Uses there are two known uses for the Patronus charm. The first and main use of the Patronus is to drive off certain dark creatures, such as Dementors and Lethifolds, and is the only known charm that works against them. Blah, 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 blah. The other use was devised by Albus Dumbledore, who invented a way of using the Patronus as a means of communication. They can deliver messages, such as speaking with the voice of the caster. This source of communication is the source of communication is believed to be exclusive to the members of the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, why? What? Wait, multiple Patronuses can be cast for communication as McGonagall was able to create three. What? Jesus fucking Christ. This book is fake. This book is fake. This is a fake book. Fake book. It's a hoax. I believe I believe everyone in 2007 who, who couldn't handle this book. I'm with them. I stand with them. So Dumbledore was the only one that figured out that you can use them to deliver messages. Fuck. Good stuff. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much. Why not just make a new spell? Why not just make a message spell? <laughs> so fucking I mean, like, stupid. I guess it's cool, right? Like, you can't, you can't deny the cool factor of having, like, a cool, like... I can. <laughs> I can deny the cool factor. I think it's fucking lame as hell. That's fair enough. It destroys to me the like the main image that I have of the Patronus, which is still from book three, which is Harry seeing his Patronus on like the bank of the river or whatever and looking across or the lake and just like looking across and like wordlessly wondering like, oh, is that my dad or whatever? It would uh, it would kind of ruin that scene to me, knowing that uh, at any point. <laughs> That that Patronus in Harry's own voice could have said like, "Hey, it's me from the future." <laughs> so fucking stupid. God damn. This is a very funny detail on the Harry Potter wiki, because I guess on the you know the Patronus quiz on WizardingWorld.com, you can I guess get a lot of different kinds of horses. Like it specifies what color horse you get oh, okay okay on pottermore a horse patronus can be of several different colors though all patronuses are silver it's unknown how hard to hard the difference is to tell <laughs> in universe since all horse patronuses look the same or at least very similar on oh, pottermore fuck that's so good <laughs> my, oh my, my God. patronus is a brown horse uh you can't really <laughs> tell but trust me <laughs> holy shit <laughs> Yeah, I guess like how would you tell if your if your Patronus is like a Labrador or a Dalmatian if it's if it doesn't have colors or spots or anything? It's just like, ah, oh, it's a dog. Yep. <laughs> That's so good. What a okay. what a disaster. 
a fucking it's terrible fake book like you say fake book not real so funny let's get to scrimger and and his magical items from this will okay this is probably like the actual longest part of the chapter yeah we've been talking for two hours (laughs) (laughs) scrimger shows up yeah and he says i've got some magical items for you from dumbledore's will um, and then he proceeds to get completely <laughs> roasted by three children uh, for the uh, for the remainder of the conversation. Yeah, he just he just lines them up to get knocked down over and over and over again. Scrimger is a real jobber in this series because, like, I like we get that one scene where he's contrasted with Fudge at the beginning of book six, where it's like he's he's no nonsense and he's more hardline than Fudge. But like every time he's appeared in person in these books, he's just been repeatedly dunked on by teenagers. Like he tried to get recruit Harry in book six and Harry completely roasted him. <laughs> and then here it is again. Like he, he appears. <laughs> he's back to for like more. Talk- yeah. He's back for more. He's like, mm, please, instead of one, why don't all three of you just, just wreck me in this scene? Like the, he's, he's kind of sad. I feel bad for him. I, he said he, he's kind of nothing. I mean, like honestly, the more ridiculous thing is that Harry, Ron and Hermione, would would talk to the president of magic this way the, 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 harry just has like no no qualms about like going in on on the goddamn prime minister to his face which like to me is very funny because it 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 is again similar to many things in this chapter it's very illuminating of the author like this is all of these the these like exchanges between Scrimger and and Harry Ron and Hermione are just J.K. Rowling's like quote tweet dunks of Donald Trump, basically. Yeah, like the same caliber of just like, just like you know, them even worse because she's writing the character. So it's like it's like a very Sorkin esque like I am I am writing this scene so this character can walk into my character's cool dunk, right? Like it it's very very silly. Yeah, I think you can get away with like one or two of those, but just having them just constant rapid fire just is tiresome and and they're the dunks aren't even like very good. Like there's this part this like extended part that's so boring and doesn't matter. And it's like, he he kept the artifacts for 30 days because that's like the maximum allowable time mm-hmm. under the law that they can like search to tell if something is like dark magic or is trying to curse someone. And Hermione like accuses him and is like, you're just trying to like use this law to do, to like, figure out what Dumbledore was up to. And then he's like, are you planning to become a lawyer? And Hermione says, no, I'm not. I'm hoping to do some good in the world. Like this weird, unrelated dunk on lawyers. <laughs> what? Which is so funny. Cause like, I think, I think that that would be a good line for like any other character, but why does her, where does Hermione Granger specifically where does her opinion on lawyers come from? It seems, like, in fact, like she's all about that shit. 
yeah it it seems like like she would love to be a lawyer like that that's her whole thing is like reading books and collecting information and knowing rules and also bending rules right like it seems like a lawyer is a perfect job for her um but yeah it's it's like just a weird weird like like i mean it's an email forward joke first of all honestly but like like hermione saying it is is very strange i do like the part where um Scrimgeour's um grilling Ron about how like why would Dumbledore leave an object to Ron and Ron's like yeah I don't know I don't really know <laughs> know him at all <laughs> yes yeah that that's like the one very characterful moment I think in this because uh, other than that like I like Harry and Hermione especially are unrecognizable in this scene mm-hmm. like Harry Harry was unable to stand up to Ron. Uh, uh, when he was uh, about to to get some from Ginny, yeah, he, it, like in the text, it was like he he could not comfort her in front of Ron. But what he will do is just run circles around the damn president. Absolutely, just just two different people in this chapter, and uh, but Ron Ron just being like, yeah, I don't know, he, I don't know him that well. Uh, I guess he wants me to put out lights like that. That's pretty <laughs> funny. I like I like that a lot. <sighs> Hermione, on the other hand, I just do not know who this character is anymore, and I think that it is very uh, uh, it's fitting, I suppose, that um, we get another moment of like girl crying in here and like how you put it really well when we were talking about this yesterday of just like how depressing all of these characters like journeys into womanhood have been if you think about it like in in a broad broad sense yeah i mean it's it is very hard at the time that we are in the timeline of of jk rowling's recent news to not read this Mm -hmm. through the lens of her own relationship with her own womanhood to watch just the destruction of these characters like yeah i don't i don't know like i i really feel like every characterful thing about hermione has been transferred over to harry because it's like hermione had to go on and become woman and that's (laughs) really all she is she says i don't know why he gave me this book i guess because i like books and she's crying and why because of dumbledore like what he knew I liked books. Another line that really sticks out to me is like, yeah, this feels fake. Like along with Hagrid saying like, oh, isn't it? Didn't I kick the door down and give Dudley a tail? Hermione saying like, oh, he know he knows I like books. It's just so weird. It's like these characters are like aware of their place in the fiction, which could be interesting. But uh, instead here just feels very uh, out of place. It, it feels more like... Like J.K. Rowling has forgotten their place in the fiction and is grasping <laughs> at those signifiers for them to yeah. just recite. Yeah, because really, what else is Hermione here? Right? Like any? Like I can't, I can't grab on to anything that she is as a person anymore. The other thing that she does in this chapter is like do decorating for the wedding real good. Yeah. Yep. So I guess it's just innate. If you're a girl, you know you know how to decorate. It's in your it's in your DNA. Yeah. It's right there in the chromosome. Thank you, J. Harold. 
Yeah, thanks, Joe. Yeah, it's uh it's remarkably sad, I think. And it's interesting too, because I, I know that a lot of the complaints that people have about the films is that like oh, Hermione's character kind of gets divvied up between Harry and Ron in the movies. And I think that's half true, but I think it has to be said that absolutely happens in the books as well. Yeah, I mean, Ron is probably the most fully realized character in this book so far. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's shitty, but he's a real person here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and he's a little bit stock, for sure. But Harry is definitely the, uh, like, POV author voice is right all the time guy. And then Hermione (laughs) is just nothing. Yeah. It's really depressing seeing Hermione show up in these scenes now because it's just like it's the same with like the gift giving scene. It's like, oh, she got him a sneakoscope. Like there's just no care or attention paid to her character here. Um, she like, gives some exposition. She gives some exposition. And then and then also she is a vehicle for Ron to continue his pickup artist stuff here because when she's crying, he puts her his arm around her and it makes a big deal out of that mm-hmm. about Harry noticing that like, oh, it's kind of awkward on this in this like tiny couch for Ron to to put his arm around her. And that's like that. I think that paragraph is like longer than anything Hermione really does here other than make a lawyer joke. Yeah. Uh. We have to talk about flesh memories. Snitches have flesh memories. Snitches have flesh memories. Didn't you know? Snitches have flesh memories. Snitches have flesh memories. Well, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they have flesh memories? We are fools for not assuming that snitches have flesh memories. I don't think there's anything hidden in the icing, said Scrimger. But a snitch would be a very good hiding place for a small object. You know why, I'm sure. Harry shrugged. Hermione, however, answered. Harry thought that answering questions correctly was such a deeply ingrained habit she could not suppress the urge. Because snitches have flesh memories, she said. What? said Harry and Ron together. I also said what? (laughs) Also, again, Hermione's character just being reduced. Oh, Hermione loves to answer questions. That is her character. Like book. Answer question. Get sneakoscope for Harry good at decorating girl yeah uh so the mechanics of the flesh memory here are absolutely incredible (laughs) to me a snitch is not touched by bare skin before it is released not even by the maker who wears gloves it carries an enchantment by which it can identify the first human to lay hands on it in case of a disputed capture this snitch he held up the tiny golden ball We'll remember your touch, Potter. There are so many things wrong with this. First of all, uh, the obvious. The flesh memory thing has never, ever come up. Not in a million billion years has that ever mattered to the story. Two, it doesn't even follow its own rules in this chapter because nowhere does... Scrimger doesn't say like, oh, it is not touched by bare skin and it remembers specifically where you touched it. Because Harry Harry then gambles on this. He, like, takes the snitch, and he's like, oh, guess it didn't open, and he gets another Duncan on Scrimger. And then when they retire to their to, to Harry's bedroom to, like, look over the clues that they've just gotten from Dumbledore, Harry's like, ah, but you see, I didn't catch it with my hand. I caught it in my mouth. And, like, <laughs> that doesn't... Why would that matter? If, if, if the function of this flesh memory that we are just now learning about is to say 
who caught it in a sports game. Like, what do they do? Do they tap? Do they, like, hold it in front of the players and go, like, okay, now put it in your mouth. Now put it in your hands. Now touch it with your butt. Like, do they just, like, hold it on them until it, like, buzzes? I don't... Why does it... And does why it does specifically this... open? Or is that just Scrimger, like, guessing? I think that's just Scrimger guessing. I think. I, I don't know. Because it, it's so vague. And, it, and it's a rule that was made up just for this scene, just so Harry could get another quote tweet on, on Scrimger. Yeah, I don't know. if Like, I think that there are two ways to, like, nestle clues in to, I guess, create the illusion that you had already, like, planned it. And one is to mm-hmm. obviously already plan it. And then if that were the case, <laughs> we would have had a scene earlier where there was, like, maybe in one of the many Quidditch games that there was a dispute over who caught the snitch. And it was like, oh, mm-hmm. well, good thing they've got flesh memories. Yeah. And we see that happen. It could have even been during the Quidditch World Cup or whatever, or yeah. that like you check them automatically just to verify the results. Mm-hmm. And then the other is you just really have to find something and then make it consistent with what happened, right? Like, yeah, I mean, like, like I when I when I say that it's obvious that this book wasn't planned or that these series wasn't planned. I don't think that's like inherently negative. Um, I, I I don't think that planning everything out to the letter ahead of time is the only way to write. There's a good George R. R. Martin talk where he like says that he plans ahead very little because to him writing a story is like telling it to himself and that most of the foreshadowing he picks out in stories, it like comes naturally to him and it's like a surprise for him when something all lines up perfectly, right? Mm-hmm. That's completely, a, that's a very valid way to write. I think that's great. I think that is a very cute uh, uh, way to think about writing. J.K. Rowling claims that she planned this all out and yet is telling us about flesh memories not very not very far into the seventh book, the book where it matters. And it is only coming up because a character thinks it's a clue. So it's like, not even in this book is it a hint and payoff. It is just the character delivering a clue and telling the character it's a clue and telling them why it's a clue. And that's it. I don't think it would bother me so much if Harry and Ron knew about it because I don't, yeah, cause they're Quidditch nerds. Right. Like I don't need to know the ins and outs of Quidditch to understand that they're Quidditch nerds. Cause every like part of, what is like incorporated into their actual characters is like having posters and Harry reading Quidditch through the ages. Am I supposed to believe that there was no part in Quidditch through the ages where there was like a snitch catching dispute that he, like a famous one that he read about. It just, it makes no sense for any of these characters to have Harry and Ron be like, I don't know what this is and have Hermione recite it because that's her character is answering questions and knowing things. It's like it's backwards. Why does Hermione tell about the flesh memories and Ron and Harry, or rather Ron tells her about a book? I just went back and realized J.K. Rowling even had sort of an out in this chapter, which is when Ron hears Harry muttering about Grigorovich in his, in his sleep and says, oh, were you talking about Gorgovich? And he's like, and Harry's like, no, who is Gorgovich? And he's like, oh, well, he is a, he was a shitty chaser on, on, uh, on, on the Chudley cannons. Mm-hmm. 
you could just tweak that a little bit to be like, oh, he was he was a terrible uh, seeker who always had disputed catches or, oh, he was involved in a really famous disputed like World Cup play where they had to they had to activate the flesh memory to call the game or something like, I don't know, like it would still be coming in a little too close under the wire but it would be something right yeah and i think that that could have been a thing where harry could be like oh yeah i remember that it's okay for them to know something that we don't know and to have them talk about it and let that be a thing that we are learning about through the conversation this doesn't need to be new information to harry and ron yeah as well as the snitch there is the tales of beetle the bard and i think i think i'm gonna hold off on going in on beetle the bard uh yeah just because obviously it's it we, we haven't gotten like the story of the three brothers yet mm-hmm. but i will say similar to the snitch it is a element that is introduced in book seven that is just like only important for book seven but is e- even stranger than the flesh memory thing which at the very least the way hermione and scrimger talk about it makes it sound like kind of like esoteric trivia Whereas Tales of Beetle the Bard, Ron is like, oh, everyone knows these. This is like the pill. This is the foundation of wizarding culture. And no one in this series has ever mentioned it. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's specifically compared to like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and Cinderella. Yeah, it is. It is so it is so integral to, to wizarding culture that it, it is treated by by Hermione and Harry like, oh, it's like one of those fairy tales. And it is just so absurd to introduce that now as a very important thing. I was just so upset by that. Just like like uh, this is I mean, this is the Deathly Hallows, right? Like the story of the Deathly Hallows is in this book and it has never never come up before it has never been a part of this series it has never been part of the cultural like makeup of the story it has never been mentioned it's never even been alluded to no character has ever said like oh like babbity rabbity or something and harry has gone like what the fuck does that mean like just just nothing just just invented whole cloth for this scene i get the impression that the idea behind this is like the the ones that all the wizarding children know are like the disney versions right and hermione just Mm -hmm. got gifted the like original grimm's fairy tale version right the the more fucked up ones i like that idea like that's cute i love the idea of like learning about a fantasy world's like original cultural stuff right like Mm -hmm. that's so cool it's weird that it's just the same as ours (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's funny. One, funny that it's exactly the same as ours, and everyone wants a, a traditional white dress wedding. And two, cutting it a little close to introduce it in the seventh book and have all the characters, wizard characters, go like, oh, you, you've never heard of it? It's like, no, you're writing the book. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense to me that Harry wouldn't know about it. Because he's, like, clueless yeah. and likes sports. And, and, I, and also just, like, maybe... You know, the, the boys in the boys' dorm aren't talking about, like, Disney movies, right? That makes mm-hmm. sense to me. I don't buy that Hermione wouldn't know about them. Well, the good news, they change it for the movie that she narrates the entire thing and knows exactly what they are. Oh. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's probably a good change, right? Yeah, probably. We'll we'll see, I guess, when we get to that. I think there's something that really bothers me here, which is that um I, I think like some of the implication is Ron is saying, like, oh yeah, all all kids, all wizard kids grow up reading these books. And Hermione is like, well, you know, 
Harry and I were muggle-born, so we didn't grow up reading those books. Hermione went to school when she was 11. That's yeah. a, that's that's Disney movie age, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's and and also it's very strange for cuz the implication there is that like oh, when you uh hit a certain age, you just like forget all of the culture you were imparted as a child, which is not true at all, right? Like like everyone recognizes People people remember wheels on the bus into their adulthood, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you would hear about wheels on the bus at some point. Uh, uh, so I, it's very weird to imagine that the all three of these characters, or I guess just Harry and Hermione, have been at school for seven years and have never heard anyone reference these things to them it just seems like hermione even though she wouldn't have known those things like you go to you go to boarding school with a bunch of 11 year olds and they're not (laughs) like talking about their major major like cultural touchstones at school like they don't have their fucking babbity rabbity backpack or something i just I don't know. It just it, it bothers me because I know that in book one a lot of the appeal because it because it is a story for little kids is that the kids act like adults. But to mm-hmm. look back in retrospect and not let Hermione like think back on herself as a like a wizard child because she mm-hmm. is because she was a child and went to school <laughs> is weird. Yeah, it's very odd. All right, is there anything else in this chapter we should get to? Um. God, there's so much. We've been talking for two and a half hours. This is quite a chapter. I uh, I fucking hate when they go to talk in their room privately and uh, Hermione uses Muffliato and then Ron says, thought you didn't approve of that spell. And she just says, times change. What, times are, you ta- change. what are you talking about? What, ta- what her, has changed? That's Hermione's Rambo moment. Times change. What? Times change. This isn't like a this isn't like a scary moment. They're not in like behind enemy lines. I I just don't know what she's talking about here. <laughs> Times change. I mean, I mean, I guess I guess there I could, if I stretch it to its its limit, I could say that's characterful that like finally someone has called Hermione out for her like hypocrisy on on rules and her answer is just like, "Well, fuck you. How about that?" I mean, fair enough. Yeah, that's 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 as far as I can stretch that one. Um, but yeah, this this is one of those chapters. Like I like I said at the beginning, holy shit, this chapter is a roller coaster ride, and I'm glad that we are in the roller coaster part of the bad chapters, not the boring part of the bad chapters now. Um, but this is this book is a stinker so far. There are so many objects. Yeah, actually, that's... (laughs) Yes, let's... To close this section out, let's talk about all of the MacGuffins in here. Mm -hmm. So we have six Horcruxes. Yeah. uh, To left, out of the actually eight. There are eight Horcruxes total. Um, We've got the three Deathly Hallows. Mm -hmm. Then to help find the Deathly Hallows... And the Horcruxes. We have the Sword of Gryffindor, mm-hmm. the Deluminator, mm-hmm. the Tales of Beetle the Bard, yeah, and the Snitch that you've got to kiss. Yep, that's too many. I oh, Harry gets a Mokeskin pouch that um that you can put anything in and no one can take out. Mm-hmm. 
He gets a new sneakoscope. Yep. He gets a new watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he gets the um, the uh, pickup artist book, which, to be fair, might never show up again. But those those other two definitely will show up again. Just a lot of objects. I'm just a lot of his inventory is very full. He at has this a point. lot of side quests. I think a lot of a lot of quest giving <laughs> items right now. Um, Honestly, that is what this chapter really feels like. <laughs> this is this is wandering around the hub area and just picking up all the side quests. There's there's a part where they're like talking about the new objects that they got and what they're supposed to do with them. And Rahan's like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? This like light turn off thing. Um which I think is like sad in the same way that a lot <laughs> of the stuff in this book is sad where it's like it's this like real it's it's this character taking this object that was introduced to us i think in the very first chapter of philosopher's stone as like dumbledore's quirky magical object that's like super cool mm-hmm. and it takes lights physically out of their light bulbs and puts them into it and and to yeah. have the characters just go what are we supposed to do with this like what like we can just turn off the lights is so depressing which is funny because what's actually said is frankly insane, which is just like, why do we need this when we can just use a smoke bomb from Fred and George's wizard <laughs> joke shop? Yeah. I don't know. Why can't you understand the different functions of turning off a light and dropping a smoke bomb? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the characters themselves lacking any imagination is like the final nail in the really depressing coffin of the way magic is portrayed in this series, I think. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. There is so much we could keep talking about in this chapter, but I think for now we should probably take a break. I think I could talk about this for another hour. I know, me too. This is this is one of not so not only is it just like dense and like full of little moments, I think this might be one of the most revealing chapters in the series that we've ever read. JK Rowling lets herself become the characters in here and like just puts her worldview on, on the page unfiltered. Like it is truly fascinating you could teach a class on this damn chapter yeah i mean what like something that i just like have to leave on the table because there's just there's just no time and also it's just kind of rehashing the same stuff but even the minister and like him representing like what the state is doing and how that they're like screwing up through just doing random wrong things is so Mm -hmm. funny and just makes no sense He's the, like the Ministry of Magic as an institution. It it just like is so revealing how much J.K. Rowling doesn't really understand institutions in our world, right? Yeah. And like yeah, what, and like put... what they do and the violence that they do to people. Yeah, if you just if you just take the bad people out of the system and put good people in, it's fixed. That's right. all that matters. The system can't possibly be bad. It's like, ah, oh, there was this law that we made to do good stuff. And then this jerk came along and, and used the law bad. to do bad stuff. So we got to <laughs> vote, uh, I guess. Vote for Hermione to make laws good again. <sighs> yeah. Just really, 
really revealing stuff. All right, we will take a break and then we will be back for a little third segment. everyone and welcome back um we do have a third segment activity to get into but before we do that something has kind of broken as we were uh recording the first half of this episode um many 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 of you have tagged the shrieking shack account or dm the shrieking shack account about this uh reddit post that is going around um TLDR, we have raised our almost eight-year-old daughter to believe she is a witch from an old wizarding family. We're looking for more sophisticated and creative ideas from r slash Harry Potter to keep this thing going. Uh, this is crazy, and I think also probably not real, but it's... I hope it's not real. So yeah. that's the thing, is I'm like 99% this person is doing a little creative writing exercise mm-hmm. online. If it's one of our listeners... good job good job good bit it's very funny if it's real this is child abuse this is just no this is the one of the most heinous harry potter posts i have ever read in my life were you saying you couldn't find it on the forum like like on there uh yeah i didn't try i mean one reddit search function terrible awful i don't know why they haven't mastered the art of okay i found it it was a real post okay okay it's a real post it is deleted account the body of the text the body of the post has been deleted comments are why the fuck would you do this this is horrible you are an idiot we have to read the rest we have to read the rest of the post before we get into the comments okay 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 do you want to read you actually want to read this thing yes i want to read the whole post okay go for it go (laughs) for it okay since our daughter was five and my wife and I first started reading her the Harry Potter books, we have told her that she is a witch and that the wizarding world is real. She's almost eight. And as her questions have gotten deeper, we've been building the illusion with more details about our family genealogy and its connection to book characters, stories about times we used magic, and the life and moral lessons we learned about it. She has processed many different difficult subjects like racism, climate change, and even the coronavirus through this lens. Before other parents judge or lecture, we know it's gaslighting and that eventually she'll be disappointed and will have trust issues with us when she learns the truth we justify it that we are adding magic to her childhood and giving her motivation to teach her full magical potential since she needs to study hard to be accepted to hogwarts we've asked serious questions of her teachers and they think it's more awesome and creative than damaging at the very worst case my take is that it's analogous to to children being raised to believe that traditional religious stories are true and that when the truth hits it will teach her to ask critical questions and not accept everything she hears or reads at face value we're looking for more ideas of how to inject little bits of harry potter magic into everyday life using technology crafts and adding more details to the fanfic that is our lives (laughs) okay i think it's a it's a very funny bit but i do think it's a bit specifically Mm -hmm. because of the uh the racism politics and even the coronavirus thing i think that's too on the nose Maybe. Yeah, I I think this is a worst Harry Potter fan straw man, for sure. Yeah. It's very funny. It also has that little detail that's very Reddit atheist to me. The like, this is just like being raised with 
traditional religious stories. Yeah. And then finding out they're not true. That's 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 classic our our atheism. Yeah. Uh, there's a comment here. If you think it's comparable to religious belief, hop onto a sub with ex-believers and check out the serious damages done to them and then realize that at least their parents also really believed the myths and weren't just lying for their own amusement. <laughs> Which I think if this is real is probably the best response to this. But I I think I think this was a bit to get everyone riled up and it worked. And honestly, if that's the case, my hat is off to this user. I mean, I, I hope that's the case. Yes, I, it pro- yes it probably to be clear, is. If this is real heinous, it is the plot of the movie Dogtooth. But if it's if it's a bit, <laughs> good job. Uh, you, you, nailed, you nailed the bad Reddit post bit. <laughs> it's a classic. We love it. We love it. We love it so much. But yeah, I want I just wanted to address that just because we got like I seriously got like six DMs about this while we were recording the the main episode. And multiple people have tagged us in the uh as well. So it made it's wonderful. But uh I'm just gonna want to say good thing we saw that post. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah, this is getting a little live a little live uh live exercise here. Uh, before recording the third segment, just throwing that out there so people know that we saw it. All right. All right. Wow. And now I can see the post. Yeah. That's amazing. Isn't it? It's just like magic. Put a like on there. (laughs) Technology is amazing. Technology is so cool. All right. Time to move on to our, uh, our planned third segment activity here. Which I have been having such a good time going back in time and reading stuff about people thinking Book 7 was a hoax and so on. Um, I think that now. I, yeah, we think it's a hoax the now. Hoax, the hoax is ongoing. Um, I uh, took a little trip again uh, down, down, down the old time machine uh, back to Beyond Hogwarts, which is a website that we have talked about before. It's, it was a website that compiled a bunch of like theories and stuff before the last book came out. Um, and this post is dated a week before the book came out i actually know in before it's a week before the leak came out specifically um so this is all uh completely virgin untainted impressions here this is a thread asking people to write their own ending to book seven uh in an interview in 2005, J.K. Rowling confirmed that as of that time, the last word in the final book was scar. How do you imagine the final page of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows will look? Write your own ending for the book and share it with us. Please write one to three paragraphs max, and the last word of the entry must be scar. So I just thought it would be fun to dip into some of these, these imagined endings. Looking back, Harry still couldn't believe everything that happened in the last year. So mm. much had changed. Bill was married to Fleur. He'd, yep. He'd finally found the real truth about why his mother had married his father. What? And amazingly, he took Snape's side in the whole matter and actually felt sorry for him. Yes. There were so many friends he'd never see again. They all died so bravely and their families were so proud, but that doesn't make missing them any easier. But, like Dumbledore said, sometimes we must choose between what is easy and what is right. And it was right that Voldemort was gone. Or was he? All of a sudden, Harry felt a twinge in his scar. Oh, I love mm, that. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Oh, that's a classic Jumanji ending. Oh, good thing all these times that we've had the ups and downs, the struggles, things changed, but it's all over forever. And, <laughs> and then you see the, you hear the Jumanji, you know, drum beat. Yeah. I don't remember that movie yeah. very oh, well. I, I, but love, I love what a strong ending to. If you ended your like seven book saga on Voldemort was gone, or was he? <laughs> that's that's so good. That would be that's, incredible. I I <laughs> to be honest, I I want to write this down just in case I ever just I don't know write an epic fantasy series for some reason in like my retirement mm-hmm. because I don't think I could resist not ending that way. Or what a maddening stupid <laughs> ending i think that i would do it just out of spite yeah just or is it that's the end or is it <laughs> the, the real actually the real flex way to do that is to mm-hmm. have a page that has the end and then dot 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 and then you turn the page and then there's dot 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 question mark ah uh. yeah and that's where you <laughs> leave it forever I need to start. I need to start a little notebook of ideas, and that's going to be the first one on there, just in case. Question mark. (laughs) Unless. Okay. As everyone in the wizarding community looked at Harry's funeral, Hermione couldn't help but look at Harry's forehead. (laughs) She was sure the battle was over because Harry no longer had the scar. Wait a second. If it, I assume it's like an open casket funeral. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you're looking at his forehead, you're still looking at the funeral. <laughs> you're looking at the funeral and looking at the forehead. <laughs> I like this one that predicts. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping there are more ones where Harry dies in the end here. I, I, I'm very curious how people, how people will arrange that. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think that most people put together that Harry was going to be a Horcrux, and that would probably be like a conflict that mm-hmm. he would have to die to destroy Voldemort. Um, so yeah, definitely not surprising. Laying there on the ground, Harry felt a mixture of content and grief. He had killed Voldemort, but his best friend—he mm. couldn't believe it. Ron, he was dead. It suddenly hit him in the face. He was gone. He felt a shock go go true true his body. Harry uh-huh. opened his eyes. The light was bright. Am I dead too? He wondered when he when his eyes adjusted to the light. He discovered that he was in a hospital. Was it Saint Mungus? <laughs> Harry stood up from the bed. His muscles felt weak. He could barely stand. He could hear nurses in the hallway running towards his room. From the words that he heard, he could make up that they were muggles. Harry had managed to walk up to the mirror. He took, he looked. No. He looked, has, wait, has looked in the mirror. Has looked in the mirror. Another shock went through him. He realized that he had dreamt the whole thing. He he felt his head to be sure. There was no lightning shaped scar. This is the, (laughs) this is the bad evil version of the, the end dot, dot, dot question mark. (laughs) It was all a dream. <laughs> there are a lot in here. I, w- I won't read all of them. Obviously, there's so many here, but there are, are, I think, like the majority of these seem to be predicting that the the way that the scar thing resolves, um, uh, uh, is him no longer having the scar. 
like the, like a lot of these end with like the reveal that like oh he touched his forehead there's no scar there yeah i wonder if she thought about doing that yeah she she kind of goes halfway it's it's just that his the scar doesn't hurt him anymore right is the is the way it shakes out i think so no one could believe their eyes, but it was a living proof of power, of selfless love and strength and true friendship. It was the living reminiscence of a friend who had sacrificed his own life to save his two best friends from the most fear-dark wizard of all age, and in his attempt not only saved the life of those two, but also ensured the freedom of wizard kind from most feared dark arts, when his selfless act had resulted in the death of the Dark Lord Voldemort, whose name was not feared anymore... And mind you, it was not just the act of spur. It had <laughs> followed from the mammoth task of destroying magic most evil, the Horcrux, beforehand, which had ensured the Dark Lord was indeed dead and cannot come back. And here was he who had come back as Harry Weasley, the son of Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger, a.k.a. Weasley, having at his forehead the same lightning-shaped scar. Um, I didn't understand that at all. Um, but I love the energy and it kind of reminds me of like JRPG. Yeah. Exposition. Yeah. This is like a JRPG. Text I'm like, role. hell yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm particularly fond of the mammoth task of destroying magic. Most evil. Yeah. I wish I that's a, that's a powerful line. I love like, that. For as just incomprehensible as that was like, take, take that, like do something with that. That's really good. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I, I I legitimately adore the energy of that one. It is all one sentence, but I will take that over anything in the book that we have read so far. Yeah, they they got something something there. They, they they what this person does is they love the fantasy of it. They love the magic, magic most evil, the death yeah. of the dark lord. Like they they're going in on the like the the fantasy aspect here. Yeah, but I I think Harry Potter could play that up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta throw some more cool words in there like magic most evil and whatnot. I I I think that that is uh that is a good one. All right, we've got two Neville related ones here, mm. kind of taking different different paths. Harry stood there, staring at the pale body of a round-cheeked boy who was very forgetful and not so good in magic. Kind of, <laughs> kind of a weird slam on Neville kind for his... the last the last minute dunk. <laughs> <laughs> still he felt great respect because the motionless boy had something that was much more important loyalty and bravery the boy had saved harry from voldemort harry bent down reached for the boy's wand and placed it on the his chest he got up and looked around in the room there was another body in the room a motionless body too harry's face broke into a little smile it was over neville longbottom had sacrificed himself to save harry voldemort was dead harry lifted his scar his hand to his forehead there was no scar mm, the other loophole of the prophecy was like if harry had his, neville could die in place of harry i think was a popular yeah thought as well um I like this one, and I want to point out how much character signaling there is in it. Mm -hmm. Like, Harry looking at Neville, and because it's a fan fiction writer, they're like, Neville, the forgetful boy that, like, both, <laughs> like, so say good at magic, things about but the has character. And that is, like, exactly what I'm talking about when I'm, when I mean, like, characters referring to things about themselves in yes. the text yeah. that don't, just don't make, like, I think it's, I mean, that's just a side effect of fan fiction a lot of the time like <laughs> that that people do that 
because they're kind of taking someone else's characters and writing them. <laughs> so it's so strange to see that stuff in in Harry the real Potter. book. Yeah, that's a great example of that, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got another one that's from the opposite end of the Neville theory. Uh-oh. Neville gazed down upon the lifeless form of Harry and saw that the scar that had once stood so vividly on his forehead had disappeared. He turned away and was unaware that on his forehead was his own scar. Oh, no. What? It's like Harry sacrificed himself and then Neville got the scar. Pa- is this also kind of a Jumanji thing? Like, is it like the, like Neville is going to carry the Horcrux? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. They, no one figures out that the Horcrux... Was or the, the, the Harry piece of Voldemort lives on. Yeah, just one piece out of seven. That's all it takes. He'll, That's he, all it takes. He comes back. Dumbledore walked out of the room. His <laughs> okay. Dumbledore walked out of the room. His ears. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, I have to back up on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so good Dumbledore walked out of the room his ears streaming with tears of all sorts <laughs> okay joy terrific sandness he dared to look back regret- regretfully leaving the two boys lying undeservedly by Voldemort it worried him how easily the one thing about them they could have been switched the glowing lightning shaped scar so, kind of a more abstract one. I, I love his ears are streaming with tears. So, in this one, both Neville and Harry died, but Voldemort comes back to life, I guess. Or was never dead. I don't, I'm not sure Dumb- which theory this, this person subscribed to at the time. Hmm. I liked that one. It painted a picture. Yeah. It's an abstract picture. <laughs> There's a one little surrealist. It's just dialogue, and this is the only sentence. Harry, where's your scar? Yes, There's, I love that. That's a good ending. Uh, Neville thanked her for the cutting of invisible choke vine once more as she stepped out of the greenhouse. Making her way to the castle gates, she thought idly for a moment of how she would love to take a nostalgic tour around the school one more time, but thought it would be best safe for another day. She was in a little over an hour expected at Nymphadora's. She still felt strange calling her Tonks, even though, as an inaccurate description as as it was now, everyone still did, and did not have the time to dawdle if she was to make it to Hogsmeade to apparate. Besides, she'd have all the time she needed next term. She sighed lightly as she used a scourging charm on her fingernails as she walked. Who'd have thought that after all this happened, she'd end up back here? Her friends had told her she could have applied to be an auror, but she never thought it suited her. Well, at least she here could make such, make sure the next wave of heroes can be trained properly for the inevitable return of the dark powers. Voldemort definitely wouldn't be the last, and even though it's been seven years since the last hint of death eater activity she knew there was no way the forces of good would ever be able to rid the world of that scar who is this i don't know who this is <laughs> i it's probably hermione right yeah is this hermione being a professor she's like the new dark art defense against the dark arts teacher i think is what i'm gathering here um it sounds like uh the first chapter of a snape hermione fan fiction <laughs> 
Oh, no. Ah, Severus, I am a teacher here now. It's been seven years since we defeated Voldemort. Crazy, huh? <laughs> that's right. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that that's probably what this this author is spends going their for. Time reading, yeah. As the bleak sun rose overhead, it brought tidings of great despair to the mourners. They had come to pay their final respects to the heroic warriors who had each contributed to that destruction of the most feared wizard of all time. There they lay, wands placed on their chest in dignity. Neville, Malfoy, Snape, Harry. Ron was almost on the verge of tears. Hermione showing the Wait, same emotion. Ron, Ron was the one that lived. Ron and Hermione lived, but Neville, Malfoy, Snape, and Harry all all ate it. They each. I'm so sad for everyone that thought Malfoy was going to be a significant an important character. character in the last book. Yeah, they each placed a flower by their bodies, and that was that. The mm. end of Harry's journey. The end of Voldemort's terror. The only mark left to represent this terror was Harry's lightning-shaped scar. Hmm. Oh, this one's. Do you want to hear a, a, a little jokester one? Yeah, I do. Someone, someone. You, you know, I do. Someone was a little prankster with this one. Mm. Harry and Ron danced around with glee. Voldemort was dead. Yes, I'm dancing around with glee. Voldemort is dead, said Ron, dancing around with glee <laughs> due to the fact that Voldemort was dead. Hermione was doing something boring at the time, as usual. <laughs> So I, J.K. Rowling, will not go into great detail about it. <laughs> oh my shit. god! Fucking owned. <laughs> Thank you. I hear you say. At that moment, Ron knocked a cupboard with his el- elbow, and an anvil fell and cracked Harry's skull. <laughs> For Pete's sake, Ron! Now I'm gonna have another darn scar. <laughs> I love that. I love this jokester. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the kind of a prescient slam on her, on the way that J.K. Rowling <laughs> writes Hermione. <laughs> how, if only they knew, if only they could know before they wrote this, that that is basically exactly how Hermione would be written in this book. <laughs> yep. It was such a shame the end of another year was nothing compared to death. Harry was lying there dead, <laughs> and Albus Dumbledore was paying him the last tribute to Harry, in which he said, Alas, I only wish that I should have told you the significance of this scar. So kind of a cliffhanger. Yeah, kind of another the end question mark there? <laughs> um, a lot of people thought Dumbledore was going to be alive, I'm noticing. Yeah, uh, I mean... I think we talked about it a little bit when when book six ended, but the whole thing with like that hastily removed paragraph, mm-hmm. I think people really put a lot of stock in that thing. It's pretty suspicious. And then also the weird fireworks display caused by no one at the funeral. It's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, um, uh, I it it's 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 sad I guess that like like I I think that that you know obviously that the real answer was that like yes that paragraph should have been removed and it wasn't because it was too much of a clue it was just like editing business mm-hmm. but I will say similar to the way that I sympathize with the people who who think this book was a hoax like I also empathize with the people who are like damn I hope that there's some crazy twist in this series right. Yeah, it was also really 
I I mean, I think it was a time period where Crazy Twist was very in vogue for every major yeah. franchise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, it, it, I would I would want that for Harry Potter just for it to have something, right? Like a big a big twist would be nice i guess not not because that's like my favorite thing in a story but just because you know i I don't know like this the story is ultimately so limp and lifeless by the time you get to book six and seven that that something like that to really liven it up would have been would have been cool yeah all right i don't remember if the harry being a horcrux is presented like a twist i guess we'll see yeah all right think we can do two more i've got two more here that i marked as uh yeah i'd love these okay harry stared transfixed serious miss me harry said serious grinning (laughs) harry felt a sudden need to look down his jaw dropped voldemort is dead but how asked harry you did it harry harry looked around startled lupin (laughs) serious smile (laughs) you didn't think you could kill him on your own did you harry Harry ran to Sirius and threw his arms around him, slightly surprised that tears were running down his cheeks. Now, where is Dumbledore? I need to speak to him, said Sirius. <laughs> He's dead, said Lupin heavily. What? Who killed him, said Sirius, his <laughs> eyes widening. <laughs> Harry's voice broke. I did, but I was being controlled by Voldemort. That's what gave me the strength to kill him. <laughs> what? Oh my god, this is again quite a twist that they've This is very intriguing. I want to read this version. It would seem that you, Mr. Potter, are a very stupid boy that does not follow rules. <laughs> I tell you to stay at Hogwarts with Aberforth and what do you do? <laughs> said Snape, now striding towards them. <laughs> I kill the darkest wizard of all time, said Harry, grinning. Whatever Harry did, he knew Snape would hate him just as much. Snape grimaced. Don't you have cheek with me, boy, after bringing back your godfather. Hello to you too, Sirius. The Severus said Sirius, frowning. Harry smiled and closed his eyes. What he wouldn't give for a good nap. Hey, Potter, is it true you killed you-know-who? How did you do it? What did it feel like? The students at Platform 93 Quarters were in an uproar to get to Harry Hang on, Harry, I can repel them, said Ron, concentrating. The nearest people went crashing to the ground. Hermione (laughs) beamed at him. Ow, Harry yelled. What, Hermione and Ron said together. My scar. Is it okay? Is you-know-who back? They yelped in suggestion at once. I'm kidding, guys, said Harry, laughing. Hermione ruled her eyes. You and your scar. (laughs) I want this version of the book. This rules. (laughs) I love when people write Snape dialogue and they know he's mean, but the way they write it is like Snape coming up to Harry and be like, you stupid, stinky boy. You little freak. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do one last one here. Uh, As Harry looked around the table, he saw Bill's scar from the werewolf bites. Ginny was frequently twitching her sleeve so that her scar showed better on her hands. Ron and Hermione had thin, cueling scars on their necks. I don't know what cueling is. The battle was over. Voldemort and Snape were dead. And he was not the only one having a scar. (laughs) 
So, so sort of like a like Tumblr scar bruise aesthetics. Yes. Kind of, kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I just like, he's not the only one having a scar. Oh, yeah. this is, I could keep reading these forever. We might have, I think we might have to hold on to this thread for future third segments. Cause there are 16 pages of these. Uh, and we only made it to page two. I can tell they're all wonderful. They are all fantastic. I think out of the ones we read, I think the one about strength was my favorite. Oh, yeah. But these were all beautiful. I really have a soft spot for the very first one with the, <laughs> the like, or is it over? Or is it? Question mark? Unless? <laughs> all right. We should probably take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah. All right, our theme song is Homogonagal by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can check them out on Bandcamp. And you can check us out at patreon.com slash shriekcast. We have so much fun bonus content there for you, all for the low, low price of $3 a month. We're talking about Umineko. We're talking about Twilight. We're actually planning on talking a lot more about Twilight on there quite soon. Lots and lots of fun stuff. But Liz, what are we reading next week? Uh... We're reading chapter eight. It's called The Wedding. Oh, boy. I don't know why I'm asking that. Like, it's a question. It's a question. The end? The wedding? So, guess we're going to get a lot of good um, wedding content. Yeah, I'm so excited. All right. I am imploring you, please, please. Please read another book. Please read another book.